Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Universe Within Podcast. This episode of the show is being sponsored by the Amazonian Plant Healing Center, the Temple of the Way of Light. Temple is a place I've worked at for a number of years, I think seven, eight years now, so I can really attest to the quality of the work they do. Even personally, I've worked with probably thousands of people now, and it's uh, really amazing seeing people coming down and having life-transforming experiences. The temple works with the Shipibo lineage of of ayahuasca, curandarismo, or or medicine work. Uh, They work with four doctors, curanderos, healers. Uh, two to three facilitators. They there's weiseros, vegetalistas, which are uh, bone doctors, massage people, herbalists. There's a pre-ceremony yoga teacher, and it's just a really amazing support staff, which is really conducive to allowing people to come down and having the experience that they're hopefully looking for, whether that's healing, learning, understanding, uh, releasing old patterns, traumas, really whatever one is looking to do. So if one is interested in working with the temple, with working with ayahuasca, uh, check out their website at templeofthewayoflight.org. There'll be a link in the show notes for that. Also, myself and my colleague, Marav Artsy, will be running dietas, which is one of the traditional ways that people learn from plants, experientially. So we'll be running one, two, three-week diets. Um, The first one is scheduled uh, coming up pretty soon, March 3rd to the 19th. And the second one we have scheduled is May 1st to the 17th. Those will be here in the Sacred Valley of Peru, near Urubamba. Um, And if you're interested in that, it's a really amazing opportunity to go deeper into this plant work uh, and to experience the the teaching, the learning, and the healing of plants directly. So if you'd like more information on that, you can check out my website at nicotianarustica.org or Marav's website at tobaccodiets.com. I also interviewed Marav a a number of episodes ago. I, I think it was maybe episode number 28. So if you're interested to learn more about her, you can listen to that episode as well. So today, my guest is my friend Uta. I actually met Uta working at the the, the center, the Temple of the Way of Light. She came down uh, originally, um, I, I believe she said, as a work exchange, and then eventually she started facilitating there. I've worked with Uta for a long time. I, I really enjoy working with her. I think she's an amazing woman. She has a lot of knowledge. She spent a long time uh, working in Germany, in Berlin, in... in um, um, I guess you'd call them mental health institutions, working with people who were undergoing mental illnesses, psychoses, things like that. Uh, and I think she has a, a really beautiful way of, of, of seeing what's going on. Uh, she has a really beautiful way of working with people. She's done a, a number of diets herself. She's uh, worked with one of the really strong Shipibo families, dieting. And, um, and I think she just brings a, a really well-balanced, grounded, and, and really um, intricate sp- uh, perspective into her work. So for me, it was really a pleasure getting to sit down and talk to her, to reconnect with her, to learn more about her story. And uh, I think you all will get a lot out of this episode. Um, and as always, if you're able to help to support this episode, this show, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really good option. 
There's a link in the show notes, and for just a few dollars a month, you can subscribe to the show, and you, in return, you get a lot of added benefits, things like Q&As, early access to shows, bonus material, extended footage, things like that. So that's a really big help to me to continue to be able to produce new content, to bring on these guests, and to be able to share with you. Uh, there's also the option of direct donating via PayPal. There's also a link in the show notes. And then if you're not able to do that, simply going on the YouTube page, subscribing to the show, liking the video turning on the notification bell that really helps to build the audience to eventually get it out to a bigger audience and uh, and helping with the algorithms and things like that and then with the audio <coughs> the audio version going on apple podcasts uh, also subscribing to the show and leaving a starred rating and a short review is a really big help so to everyone who has supported the show via patreon via paypal thank you very much i, I really appreciate it and to all the people who've subscribed and are continuing to listen and to support it that way thank you very much so i think that's it and without further ado here is my conversation with uta Jason. So you're smoking a mapacho. I'm smoking a mapacho. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not smoking daily mapacho, you know, but but sometimes when I feel like I, I want to connect to to presence or to a deeper knowing or also being more guided with my dietas and I I like to smoke mapacho. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a puro. It's it's pure, it pure pure tobacco. It's, it's pure tobacco. It's the leaf is from the tobacco, and it's pure tobacco. Probably you can talk more about tobacco <laughs> than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So I I met you like uh, a number of the guests working at the Amazonian Plant Healing Center, the Temple of the Way of Light. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I remember the first time I met you, but I guess maybe you would come for a training facilitation, mm-hmm. or I don't know if you remember. I remember. Um, okay. I remember actually when I saw you the first time. It was um, in a coffee in Iquitos, and it was 2015. But I think you don't remember. I I, I said it to you another time, and you didn't remember. It was when I did a three months voluntary job in the temple, okay. and you were just in, I think, in a deep process of dieting, mm-hmm. and you shared your flat, your apartment in Iquitos oh, with a yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who I, yeah, and I visited yeah. him and, and, and I met you. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think it was during your tobacco dietas. Mm-hmm. Could have been, yeah. 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 But then, yeah, we met when I came to the temple to mm-hmm. start working there. And this was in 2018. Oh, wow. Beginning was of that 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh, it seems like you've been there much longer. <laughs> <laughs> For me also, it feels like that, yeah. So oh, what is your what is your was it seventeen? I think I mean, it must have been earlier than two thousand eighteen was very recent. No, it was eighteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So what is a bit about your background? You're, you're originally from Germany, and mm-hmm. what, what led you eventually to, to come down to the Amazon and start working mm-hmm. with plants? Yeah, I think this, this is a little bit a longer, longer story. But, yeah, yeah, um, we have time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what led me to the Amazon? I think there was like a, like a, a pers- personal reasons. Um, and also like work-wise I was interested so personally when I was like 14 years old I started to be really interested in sacred plant medicine but um, friends and me we used it just being in nature doing a fire we didn't have people who explained us hey you can do a ceremony and you can actually learn with it it was like more uh, recreational so-called experiences so I dived into that with 14 15 years old Wow. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm still a little bit nervous. <laughs> um, it was. It was very intense, and I could. I I I got introduced to seeing energies and nature and patterns and connections. Wow. But I. But the people around me, they often didn't experience it like that. You know, they were speaking about hallucinations, and for me, there was always truth and and deep experiences. And I, I didn't have someone really who, who could guide me. So I was by my own and sometimes I was reading books and I got confirmation in books. And I was like, wow, there's, some, there's truth in it. So I got really, really interested in that. And I was always interested in humans and how do humans work. And I studied different areas in, in pedagogic, mm. like education. And I like more the word pedagogia in Spanish, like in German, pedagogic. But I think pedagogic is not really much used in English, right? Not so much, but it's used, yeah. 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 So I started to, to do my first practica in a psychiatric hospital when I was 18 or 19, because I was in, interested what's what's happening, you know, with humans sometimes. Mm. How far can they go that they, that they don't live their life anymore in, in their full potential and... What's happening in society that they say, okay, you have to go in a hospital. And I found it somehow fascinating when I was really young. And then I... Like, like going in a hospital, like if someone had a, a perceived mental illness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was working with kids and teenagers, as a first with kids, because I was still myself quite young. Mm. And then I started to work with teenagers, I think when I was like 20, 21, 22, I was all in all five, six years there. Wow. Yeah. So when I started to work with teenagers, I got really interested in psychosis. And also it was very interesting in my personal life. I attracted somehow situations where people got into a psychosis. I was on a festival. I was somewhere next to me. Someone went into that. So it it was around. Mm. (laughs) Sometimes good friends, but was, of course, very, very difficult and very scary. And um, when I worked then in the psychiatric hospital and I started to work in in schools for so-called people with mental disabilities, I always had the feeling something is missing. Something is missing. And and in my private life, experiencing with, with psychedelic plants and going deeper and seeing, you know, things which were not really integrated in the Western society. Mm-hmm. It always made me curious. Where's the link? How can I connect that? Mm-hmm. And um, Did you notice like similarities between people who were in a state of psychosis or 
who, who found themselves in these, these mental hospitals? Mm, it's a good question. So the, the young people, like for the young people, I had often the feeling there's a missing link to spirituality. Mm. There's um, this everything needs to fit in a, in a rational structure. I think I already could somehow sense that this can crack and building cracks and separation, confusion. I mean, now, you know, I experience it many times that, that the, the trying and the need and the pressure to fit something in a lineal, rational understanding builds confusion and can crack and can explode. Mm. But this is something I think um, I, I sensed already earlier, but I was not allowed to talk about You know, like like working also later on, I worked in a, in Berlin in a home for teenagers, young adults after psychiatric hospitals to go back in life, like kind of integration, integration, the sickness, illness, and finding finding connection again in society. And I remember I was, you know, when when a girl talked about oh every night I I see this older woman next to me and she wants to talk with me. I was not allowed when, when people had a bipolar or psychosis or schizophrenia thing, I was not allowed to talk with them about it. Hmm. Yeah. Why, why was that? <clears throat> I think it's a, it, it, they said you are supporting the hallucinations. You don't go into the hallucinations. You talk about the practical things here, about this reality. Mm -hmm. So talking with them about their inner experiences um, was seen as I would support and go deeper in their sickness and their illness, in their delusions, <clears throat> in their hallucinations. And I had already their sense, hey, I mean, I'm not seeing the spirits and they're talking to me, but who knows? I mean, it's a subjective experience. And to tell her she's not allowed to talk about and suppressing that, that didn't feel right. And I mean, I w I'm not a therapist. I, I studied, as I said, pedagogic, and I was more there as a social worker, you know, during the day, during the night, building the bridge to life, going with them to the different organizations, um, telling them they have to take their medication, their pills, what was always difficult for me. Not always. In some cases, it felt okay, but in some cases, it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Or... Um, You know, supporting them to go to school or to do their studies and cleaning their room, like these practical things. And we had our meetings with, with therapists and it started that I was not telling them everything. <laughs> you know, when, because I knew if I tell them that this young, young woman told me about the spirit she's seeing, then they would maybe give her more pills. Mm. And I felt like, hey, she's doing well, you know. And these were like things where I felt like, wow, it's not anymore my, my full integrity. Were the, were the therapists kind of going into what the patient was describing or was that also kind of... I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, I have to say, but it's also a while ago now for me. But, but as far as I know, no. Mm -hmm. it, it was not an approach where... where, where There's this other experiences, dimensions, spirituality, or whatever they experienced that this was included. I think it, you know, it would be so important, you know. 
I mean, I hope there's there's a change now and, you know, and more integration. And, and, and that's, you know, what I find with plant medicine and with shamanism, and building the bridge, you know, to Western approaches and to the energy work with the plants. I mean, that both together, for me, there's so much gold in the linkage mm -hmm. and in the exchange of these different approaches. But yeah, you asked me, um, how did I come to the Amazon? So this was one thing I think it always was bubbling inside of me. Well, there is something else, like from the work perspective and from my deeper interest in understanding humans. And then I had my own issues. <laughs> I had a lot of own issues. I was not aware so much about it, but it, it came to a point when I was around 30, 31, I realized, wow, I'm partying since I'm a teenager And it takes over, you know, control. Also it takes over. I plan my life around festivals, around parties. I'm, I lived in Berlin, where there's a lot of electronic um, playground, <laughs> let's say. And they don't close after one night. You know, you have like many days where you can be in a club and meeting people and dancing and listening to music. And I had the job which I had um, in this therapeutic home. I had a really, really really good and nice job and also I had like nine I think or eight 24-hour shifts and the rest of the month was free mm. and I realized wow I wanted to learn about meditation about yoga I I wanted to study new things and I noticed wow I'm all the time partying so and I can't control it so I realized there's something out of balance and um Yeah, and I went to Thailand, where I often went. I, I took frequently like two, three months off to, to go to Kopangan. You also know this island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I always went there to, to balance and to find back to myself and to connect. And I did that in 2013, and I ended up to be there one year. And I lived there, and I found a tambo, the bungalow, um, <clears throat> without water, without tap water, without electricity, And this was like, it, it came to me in a very magical way. I almost didn't pay rent because it was on a ground where there was a fight around the land with the owner, so no one was allowed to ask for rent. So I lived there by myself with a lot of spiders and snakes. It was very scary also, but I faced a lot through that and having a little fire, doing my coffee in the morning. Could go down to the beach and meeting people and had nice restaurants, but I was on a ridge more up was beautiful, beautiful. Um, and where, I, where in Copenhagen was that? It was on the east side, between okay. Wainam and, um, what is the name, Hatien, where the sanctuary as well is. Uh -huh. Maybe now I did some advertisement. But it's, yeah, it was in 2013. And, and there are also some playgrounds for music and dancing. So I was not completely isolated. I could also face the temptation to go partying, but also I could, could withdraw. So it was a huge transformation. A lot of emotions came up. I could see like a lot of patterns and it was difficult. And, and also my English was really limited. So I was a lot by myself. I met amazing people, but until I understood, you know, the others were faster. So this also brought a lot up, you know, like um, regarding connection and being by self and feeling separation. And before I always was with people, I was a completely social person and always in groups of people and um, yeah so in that year somehow it showed more and more up um, ayahuasca I heard it 
Oh, you ask her, oh, but, but, but you're vomiting. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I take my mushrooms or that's fine, you know. And, um, and then it came up more and more. And I did in that time some theta healing courses. And um, I developed somehow my, my own way to connect and to do my meditation. And at some morning I was sitting on my rock. I don't know if you know this, rocks and rocks close to the ocean and, mm. to, and the coast and Kopangan, they, they are strong. And I was always sitting on this rock in the morning, watching at the blue ocean. And, at, and one morning, I never had this experience before and I never had it after. But at this morning, I, I saw like a jungle and I was like, is that here Thailand jungle, Kopangan? No, it was like Amazon jungle. And I saw somehow the, the wine from ayahuasca and it was exactly the wording, you will go to Peru and work with ayahuasca. I was like, work with ayahuasca? What is that? <laughs> and then I, I was questioning myself. I was like, do I create it? Is that my mind? Because I, in that time I didn't know what to do. I knew I don't want to go back to Berlin. I knew that. But I also knew I need some money at some point again. So there was this time I felt a lot of pressure and very anxious to go back in society to Berlin and I knew I always find a job, it was always easy, but I felt like, no, 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 I can't do that. Um, so when this showed up, it was like, okay, if this is true, as if this is true, show me the way, show me the way and I will follow. And I will find out if it's an illusion, if it's something from my mind, some desires, projections, but if this is true and it came really, really deep, 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 deep. And sometimes when I'm looking back now, I wonder, how, how could I do that? How, how could that happen? But I said, if this is true, show me the way. And, and yeah, and it was like, it was felt really, really deep. And I was quite blown away from this experience. And there were like, I mean, in this year, like different things happening where I was blown away, really blown away. I was like, wow, there's so much more out there, so much more. Then I'm aware, aware about, I, I had another meditation, like a group meditation where certain people were doing certain things with energy. I don't know what really happened there, but it was like I started to sing a song in a language I didn't know and I never was singing. I was very blocked, very, very blocked. Mm. Um, and there were certain things happening where I knew like, hmm. Oh, yeah. And after that, a few days later, I met a woman <laughs> and... Um, and she, after a longer talk, she was like, oh, you are this jungle girl living there. I was like, yeah, but probably not so long anymore. I have to go back to Berlin. My money gets less and less, and mm, I'm sad about that. And then she said, you know, I, I have a farm in California. Would you like to come there? And I was like, what? <laughs> it was a few days after this event where I said, okay, if this is true that I go to Peru, show me the way. I need money. If I get money, I'm going there. I do that. So a few days later, this woman appeared. <laughs> mm. So I did that. I went to California. I worked three months hardcore on a farm, very nice place in the mountains. And, and two, two women I met in this time, they told me about the Temple of the Way of Light. I was like, hmm, looking it up. And then I wrote a letter there. Hey, I would like to come as a volunteer. And they said, yes, come. Mm. So I took the money from this work on the farm and directly after I made my first trip to Peru and this was in the beginning of 2015 and since then I'm almost only here. I only went back to 
from Peru back to California in the beginning to make some money and going back to Peru. And I think a few times I went to Germany, but really short. So I was here like mainly eight months the month, eight, uh, eight months the year. And then I made my residency and I met the family where I'm dieting with. And yeah, so this was my way to Peru. And did you, were you interested in what might be described as shamanism or was that you just knew there was some like indigenous wisdom that you felt drawn to? Because, I, you know, I, kind of as I take shamanism, it, it really is, um, I was talking about this in the last podcast mm -hmm. I did with my friend Will, that, that really all of these esoteric traditions or shamanism mm -hmm. were discoveries into the nature of being, mm -hmm. into the nature of the, the human, mm -hmm. the, the mind, what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. So did that, did you think about that, that in, in a way, or it was just you knew something in the Amazon, this plant was calling you and that was the... That was the path. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back, I think there was like a deeper knowing, but not really conscious in the head. I knew, I knew, but more here in that area, I need to drink this plant medicine and it will unreveal something. There was this deeper knowing. I didn't do any research. I never was a person who was taking a lot of information in through books. Now also I know more about it, that I'm more like experimental through experiencing learning. And then sometimes I get curious and then I read about it to get confirmation to my experience. I'm more that direction. I go more through that. And... And I was very curious what are Shibibos, but I didn't read any books or watched any movies before. Nothing. I read a little bit about ayahuasca. I knew it's two plants, but that's it, you know. Um, it was like this deep feeling. I go there and I drink medicine. And some people were surprised. You, you committed for three months and you never drank that before. And I was like, yeah. And it felt, felt just really right. Um, I think... There was this, as I, I mentioned before, since I'm 14 years old, there was this deep curiosity. What, what is that, what I see? What are these energies and these colors and this, that, what I could see, like this network, what connects every living essence? I could see that when I was a teenager. And, and, um, and I was so curious that I think part inside of me was looking for people, for wisdom keepers, like for teachers, for for something that can explain me my experiences. So I think there was this deeper looking for shamanism, but not consciously. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's something that... that everyone can experience there's just reasons we're cut off from that or do you think certain people just for whatever reason have have an innate ability to to sense things like that more because i would imagine some people listening mm -hmm. get that mm -hmm. and then some people that's just a completely mm -hmm. foreign concept mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. or it's it's maybe it's some of both mm -hmm. there, there's conditions that we're raised in that kind mm -hmm. of cut us off from that mm -hmm. but maybe certain people have an innate ability for that. Do, mm -hmm. do you have any 
Do you have any sense, especially having, you know, been doing this work for, for a while now? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm. I mean, I believe that every human is able to experience that. But to the same time, I see there are so many conditions um, which block this completely openness of perception to go there and to see that. And I also believe we are all on a different path and we are attracting different things, we are learning different things. And um, I think for some people they are just more open to that and some people are not. And um, But also as we experience, I know we both also experienced that many times together when we work together in the center, that people are very rational and um, not believing in any of that and through the plans, woof, things opening up and the whole reality changes what is a part of a huge integration. If you are so certain that how you see things, that's reality, and then you get introduced that behind that there are so many subtle, 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 subtle other layers where it gets broken down to the smallest particles, which opens completely different perspectives. Um, so I believe every human naturally in its essence is open for that, but I believe through through our ancestors, through where all where we come from, where we went through, through all these different conditions, beliefs, patterns. For for many people, um, it's not real and not accessible. But I don't know. I mean, plants are big openness for people who are not believing at all in that. Mm. But also, not everyone wants to do the plants, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Not everyone wants to go there because of different reasons. And that's completely fine and completely okay. Mm. I mean, it's sometimes interesting for me if I would imagine everyone, every human, or let's say 80% of the humans in the world would have this opening to see, wow, what would change, you know? How would our systems changing? Because obviously our thinking changes. Our actions changing how we touch life, how we make decisions, everything changes when, when this is opening. But, yeah. What's one of the fascinating things I often think about is, <clears throat> I mean, even, I mean, you, you look at the, the times we're living in with the, the, the coronavirus, and mm -hmm. I think everyone, to some degree, has a sense of something like washing your hands is, is very important. Mm -hmm because there's bacteria and microorganisms and potentially viruses that can live on our on our skin and mm -hmm. by washing that we potentially kill those or remove mm -hmm. those from us but 150 years ago that was a foreign concept i mm -hmm. mean uh, th there was a famous story i forget who he was i think he was a british medical doctor and they noticed that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, infants when they were being born were dying and they weren't mm -hmm. sure why mm -hmm. and this one doctor came along and he said look i think we we mm -hmm. as doctors need to wash our hands mm -hmm. before we mm -hmm. we ate in the birth mm -hmm. and he was so ridiculed you know the, the the medical doctors were saying there's these 
invisible things that you can't mm-hmm. see with the human mm-hmm. eye. Like, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he was so mocked that eventually, I believe, he, he committed suicide because he was outcast. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, a few years or a decade later that the the, the microscope, I believe, was invented, mm-hmm. and and they they looked. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the human eye through this mm-hmm. device and they saw that what he was saying was real mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a complete you know I think when we someone said I'm not sure if it was um, I, I can't remember but someone said and I found this to be really true that all truth passes through three stages mm-hmm. first it's it's ridiculed or it's mm-hmm. laughed at mm-hmm. second it's violently opposed and third it's accepted as if it was always truth uh-huh. And, you know, now we look at that and we just accept that that's true. There are, mm-hmm. there's all these little things, invisible mm-hmm. things that we can't see mm-hmm. that can do, you know, this tremendous mm-hmm. amount of harm or good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't even think that not that long ago, mm-hmm. that was not real. That was mm-hmm. not reality. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that way, like you're saying, it's, you know, these, these shifts of reality are, mm-hmm. are, Profound. Yeah. I mean, it's really profound when, when yeah. what we think is real are mm-hmm. our beliefs, and then all of a sudden that shifted. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. It's <laughs> a big deal. And I really like, you know, the saying, um, I'm not sure from who I heard it. I think it was um, Dr. Daniel Siegel. And he said, A real scientist is embracing the unknown mm-hmm. because he knows <clears throat> there are things there and they are in the Mystery. Mm-hmm. So they, a real scientist is embracing the unknown, is embracing the mystery. And that's such a rare quality. Yeah. I mean, for, for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, to, to really embrace that, to embrace the unknown, to say, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. And I think, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I, I think science is an amazing thing. I, I think mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's the innate function of a human being, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. observation, mm-hmm. looking at something, mm-hmm. making some sort of hypothesis mm-hmm. based on that, and mm-hmm. then seeing if that's true. I mean, that's yes. how all human beings work. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, in a lot of science, there's, there, there's a lot of dogma. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even, even in this, this coronavirus time, we see that, which is like follow the science mm-hmm. as if something is settled and all scientists agree on the same thing. I mean, it's, it's completely against what it means to be a scientist, which is to constantly question, to constantly mm-hmm. probe, to mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. is this true? Is this not true? Mm-hmm. What, what is another possibility? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and to, to, which, to which point we know and when it, it continues and there's a continuum which we don't know, but acknowledging the continuum. Mm. And I really like the word transrational. Mm. I, I read a book at some point from a German woman, and she talks about thinking, a lot about thinking. Um, I don't remember her name. But she said, you know, like, and I really resonate with it, there's our thoughts come from a rational point, what is amazing. And, you know, we have this plate in German, we have we have this saying, you know, when you have a plate, this year it's all rational, but then it continues after the, the corner of the plate, and that's the transrational. Mm-hmm. And transrational doesn't mean we don't acknowledge the rational. We acknowledge fully the rational, but we also know there's a transmission into more. Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, and it includes the rational, but then it, it, it's growing further and further, and um, I really like that word, 
and and I, you know, I think I don't know how it is for you or, or for others, but in my in my I had times where I was demonizing my rational thinking and linear thinking because I had so many experiences in ceremony, but also you know outside in life where I could notice how my rational thinking it was ex there was this all this inheritance being a German and all this rational linear thinking. There were so many ways where I was blocking myself to be fully me. And still, you know, I can observe it. But I had a time where I was fighting it because I could see all the blockages. And it was a part of my process just to allow myself to go to the other side and, ex and experiencing things outside of linear thinking and rational thinking and allowing to be in a non-linear experiencing and seeing that there is truth until I could get friend again with my rational thinking and acknowledging it and valuing it. And I think we, we go sometimes through these different experiences where we live different extremes, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember how friends or my dad, who are very rational, how it was difficult for me to connect to them when I was in the time I was against, against, against rational thinking because it was just my process to to dissolve more this pattern and to get to know it more, to allow other energies and other experience come in until I could, you know, get friends with all of that and seeing it all is important, you know. Mm. And, and, and science is so important, but with the transrational bridge, I think, that's the linkage to the unknown and the acceptance and this, and I mean, we know, I mean, the universe is unlimited. So why, why, why do we need to make it, why do we need the limitation? Why do we need to put it in a rational plate or in a rational structure? Why? Yeah, and there are many answers. So, I mean, it's fear, we want to control, we, we, we want to know why. So, and I think that's a huge field to explore. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, like the example I gave, I mean, mm -hmm. it was irrational and only until it became rational. Exactly. <laughs> it was a really good example. I really like it. Mm. And I think the same was with certain mathematic and physic, physic sci scientists in the past who got demonized and who got pushed out of, of, of society until, you know, at some point they realized, wow, that's actually true, you know. I mean, that seems to be the... I think one could say like the archetypical experience of, of any great thinker is they're always in the beginning laughed at or yep. demonized <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> until eventually the proof is just overwhelming and it yeah. becomes accepted as, yeah. as, as truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what was, when you, you came to the temple for, for three months as a work exchange, what mm -hmm. was that like for you? Oof. Because it, I mean, I would imagine you were you were drinking, yes. but you were also doing some sort. What what was your work exchange? It was like I was the kitchen link. I was okay. helping in the kitchen, and I was helping in the garden with permaculture. And there was still a library where I also was helping. So it was like doing different things, yeah, and and um, drinking the medicine and being surrounded. I um, with all the people who already worked for many years with the plants, which was also very inspiring. A lot of learning and seeing like the groups coming through, how they go through the experience. So it was, it was very transformative and, and um, but my ceremonies were very difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very, very, very um, 
very difficult and not like men. You know, some people say like they have this huge seeing all these things and having this huge breakthroughs. I didn't have that. <laughs> I had like really heavy stuff and I was tired and my body was icky and icky. Like, mm -hmm. can I say that? And I went a lot to the toilet, but I didn't have this this wow openings, you know, but I knew it's a cleansing. I knew it's a restructuring. I knew these are tests and I knew when I continue doing that, something new inside mm -hmm. of me, it's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And what was it like, because I'm sure you saw, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people coming through, every mm -hmm. workshop was like 23 people, yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. So in three months, you, you, you must have seen a lot of people come through. What did you, what did you gain from that? Were there things you began to notice in people and mm -hmm. why they came down and, and how the mm -hmm. medicine was working and how they emerged? Mm -hmm. Were there kind of like common archetypes you saw? Or did you get a deeper sense? I mean obviously from your own experience, but then observing so many people, mm -hmm. did you begin to, to, to kind of feel like you, you were beginning to understand in a way how, how ayahuasca was working? <laughs> mm -hmm. Obviously, if we ever think we know too much, that's usually a, a, a mm -hmm. not very good sign. <laughs> understanding is also like it's, yeah, um, I understand something and then I understand more and then it's shifting, you know. But I think like what I found very impressive, as I remember, right, like my first three months in 2015 there was that I had this this huge like wow I mean I worked in psychiatric hospitals I worked in this you know in all these institutions therapeutic institutions in Germany um, and it was this wow this here is like a spiritual hospital you know this is where 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 people can heal with coming in through a different door, you know, through a different angle and different perspective and can experience wholeness. And it's guided by a higher wisdom, which um, I don't know where it comes from, but I think this, this confirmation where I was looking for all the time, I was met there. Like sitting in ceremony the first time in my life and seeing the Shibibo Maestros in the middle, singing the Ikaos, it was like, wow, I mean, what are they doing? You know, like all these questions. But then also like there was honestly this part inside of me. I didn't want to acknowledge it and see it because I felt a little bit embarrassed and confused about it. But it was, I want to learn what they do. And I realized, you know, like when I was a teenager and starting experimenting with all these different, different sacred plants and having these different experiences, I could connect and saying, wow, I want to learn what they are doing. There are the answers. I will find a lot of answers and new questions <laughs> when I want to experience that. And it was this, I was always looking for these wisdom keepers and And this confirmation, this deep confirmation that I was right, you know, that there is so much more and that this interest in me gets met. This was like huge for me. And, you know, also seeing like the, the Shibibo maestros, like giving also plans, like other plans for healing, like where they address physically issues, but they are then 
connected, you know, to the to the mental structures and the emotional structures, and it gets all this one movement of energy and this connection, and it's not separated. Oh, you get this pill because you think that way, or you get that pill because your emotions are like that, or you get that pill because your body has that or that symptom. They are plants who are connecting all that. And um, through then having the own experience through ayahuasca, where the perceptions and consciousness and connection to, to consciousness and to self is opening new layers and doors, how there's also this self-healing and self-realizations um, happening while you also have the shamans or the doctors as the shibibos who are working with you. So it's like a, a more empowerment healing in the way I don't depend on the pills you give me. I do my own work in, in connection with the plants, in connection with the shaman who knows how to work with energies, in connection to so much more out there, which is guiding my experience as well. So this was, I mean, the first introduction to all of that, which was huge and where I had in 2015, you know, the wish, I want to work here. And I was speaking with, the, already after this three months, I was going to the, to the um, director, to the manager, to Deborah, you know, who is now also such a dear sister. Um, and I was like, I want to work here. <laughs> but obviously I didn't have enough experience, you know, I just had my first three months. And she said, you know, if you're really interested um, the next step, I asked her, what are my next steps, you know, to, to work as a facilitator and to be, to be in that field? And she said, yeah, you know, the traditional ways you start to do diets, master plan diets, to learn more about all that. And this was like, yes, okay. <laughs> and so that was the next step. Yeah. And how did you, how did you go about finding, because I think that's a lot of a question people often have is like, how, how do you do that? Like, did <laughs> did someone just kind of magically appear, or you were recommended someone, or you met yeah. different people, and someone resonated? Yeah. Um, so it was first like I I asked people who worked there give me recommendations, but somehow all these recommendations for some reason they didn't resonate, or I went there and somehow it didn't feel right, or. I felt like, oh no, I need to go there. So somehow it was not connecting. I really wanted, but there were different different things happening then. And when I was in the temple, there was one person. This person mentioned a Shibibu word for a certain tree. And um, um, I feel like I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's a very huge tree. It's a huge, huge tree in the jungle, which which grows through the through the roof of the other jungle trees and it carries a lot of light um, but this person mentioned this name of this tree in Chibibo and it was like vibrating and I was like I didn't know anything about master plant diets besides that's a kind of training and learning nothing else I knew and I was like what is this name and he said it again and I was like wow and then I mentioned that to another person who also had a lot of experience. I said, what is about this tree? And this person said to me, you should not start with this tree. That's a very powerful tree. If you start to do a diet, try try other, other smaller plants. And I was like, hmm, okay. And then I came here to the Sacred Valley 
And again, I met a person who was talking about exactly the same tree. And I was like, wow, I hear again this word. And it was like, and how he talked about it, it was like, wow, I want to do that. And then I asked, who are your maestros? And he named the maestros and he said, this is like a very, this lineage works especially with this tree. And it's a very famous lineage if you want to work with this tree. And I was like, wow. And it was like everything was opening. But then I had this voice from this other person. You should not start with this big tree, start with smaller plants. And somehow I was, you know, I was really respecting the person who said that to me. And I was somehow listening to that. And um, yeah, and then I did my first diet here in the Sacred Valley. What was nice, but it was um, not with the Shibibos. It was with two other trees. It was really, really deep. It was good. Um, it was just a short diet from seven days, but it gave me a lot in that time. But I didn't forget this other tree, and I wanted to do that. So a little later, I met another person talking again about this tree, learning with the same maestros. And I was like, hey, can I have the contacts? How can I connect? And I got a name from a guy from the Netherlands who was studying with them for a long time and organizing dietas. And I was connecting to him, and I said, I want to do that. And he said, yeah, sure. And I said, yeah, but I don't have so much experience. you know. And he said, that's fine. And... Um, Yeah, and so I connected to them. And it was interesting because things in Germany were happening and I went to California working and I wanted to come to the jungle training with this tree and this lineage. And then something happened in Germany and I had to go to Berlin. I was devastated. I was so sad. I was like, I felt I would work with this tree and now I have to be two, three months here in Germany and then I can go to Peru. But it was so sad for me that I have to wait a couple of months to take care about things in Berlin And then I, I contacted this guy from the Netherlands. I said, hey, I'm so sorry. I know I promised I will come and I'm serious. I want, but I, I have to be here in Berlin. And he said, hey, you know what? I bring the first time the Maestra to, to the Netherlands this summer. And I was like, oh, hmm. the tree and the Maestra comes to me. So I went like for two times for 10 days. These were my first diets with this lineage to the Netherlands. Just... Yeah, two times for 10 days from Berlin to the Netherlands. I did that there. And then later I went then for my first four months diet with them to the jungle. Hmm. Yeah. So this was the start, how I found them. And, and I have to say, like the, the first 10 days with this maestra, she comes from a very famous and well-known lineage in the Ukayali region, Shibibo lineage, who works especially with this tree. It's also called like Palo Volador, or also Tree of, of Light. If someone wants to know more, I'm, I'm happy to share, particularly if someone really feels the call. Um, it was after this 10 days, I knew, okay, I want to learn with you my whole life. It was like very, very strong, mm. very, very strong. And um, it went so, so deep. And also afterwards, like how my life shifted, very challenging, not easy, very strong and there were like and I didn't go always forward there were also like relapses back but so so strong I knew okay if I want to learn that and I got supported from life the whole time that I could make money that life was guiding me and when doubt came in what I'm doing in the jungle with these trees and you know parents friends they were doubting 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 of course I also had this doubt but when this doubt came up and I had other thoughts and I had other ideas. Maybe maybe that's not the right thing. Always life and universe was pushing me back. So I ended up again in the jungle, again in diets. And I continued 
until the doubt was gone and it got more and more clear. That's it, what I want to learn. Mm. And how would you how would you describe that dieting process? Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's something a lot of people are interested in, but it, mm-hmm. it can also seem very foreign to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... Um, I mean, you, you interviewed my, my friend Brian as well. I'm not sure if he said the same because he, he, he learns with the same lineage. But there's this, you know, I like just to give this picture. There's a tree and this tree carries like our own world, carries um, own consciousness, own information, wisdom. And if you want to connect to this wisdom, they said you have to sit in front of the tree emptying yourself, like fasting not eating, maybe even not drinking and and letting go of everything around you and sit and meditate in front of this tree in stillness and just sit there and, and see what happens. And if you really sit there and you make yourself empty and you, you're totally there with this tree, sitting in front of this tree for weeks, months, years, the tree will connect to you and, 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 and you will connect to the wisdom of the tree and you and the tree will guide you. And I think dieting is like really committing, commitment. Um, my maestros, they give you ayahuasca every second night usually. Also if you come for a diet for learning, and I mean, of course, we always heal our, our emotionally, mentally stuff. Also if it's a diet where you don't have like physically... Um, intense things going on, you drink every second night the ayahuasca to, to open, you know, and doing your own work to show up, to show up and, and to see how committed you are. And then during the days you are fasting. There are different ways how you decide to fast. Um, and every second night you are there in ceremony and you show up. And it's a lot about cleansing, cleaning, releasing there's <clears throat> different moments different stages in the diet you get learning input i think you give in with your commitment you give in with your showing up you give in with experiencing what you experience and the more you give in the more comes back and you give in and it comes back and it's a for me a kind of reciprocity between the consciousness and the world of this tree and between you and it's very individual um individual and the way how you receive your teachings of course and what you give in but also it's interesting like I know now people who also dieted for the last years like very intensely and when sometimes we talk or we share our perspectives or our path there are similarities similarities and and this is also interesting you know but still it's also of course individual path um, but bedded, of course, as we, as I see it as that we have an individual consciousness because I'm driving my car, not someone else. But also we are bedded in, in a much bigger and we are all the time in exchange and interaction. But I see also I have individuality in the whole network where I'm bedded in. Um, and in, in the learning, in a, in a, in a diet... Um, I mean, I guess it's it's. I have I have two other trees I'm dieting, but I have one tree mainly, where which is always there, and um, which I since 2016 
I mean, it's it's I did every every it's 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 more much more than a year where I was with this certain tree. Um, I I feel like it's it's it's. It's, you know, it's during your diet, you go in a process, you get teachings, you see things, you have realizations, but then also outside of diet, how do you integrate it? And, you know, how you learn, because for me, the commitment, the main commitment with this strong, strong plants guided from strong shamans from the ancestral line, where there's a lot of knowing and memory <clears throat> included in the work, like the commitment, the biggest commitment for me means like when I learn or see or experience something, I can't forget it. I can't say, oh, I didn't learn that. I step out of it. It's too much. It's too much responsibility. It's too much. You can't go out of it. And if you, what I think we all do, or I speak about myself maybe better, I know I'm. it's happening to me that sometimes it's just too much to in, include what I saw or realized or there are old patterns coming up and I'm not not living what I learned, I get it reflected very fast, hmm. very fast. So the commitment for me is everything what you learn and realize and what flows through you, you have to, to put in life through your thinking, through your feeling, through your actions. You have to use that. If you ignore that and you, no, then... It comes, it comes back, it reflects really fast back, so you, you can't go out anymore. When you are in that, there's no way, that's, that would get really painful, you know, that would get, and this is, I think, when people talk about crossing a diet, you know, that's for me what I include in the word crossing a diet. When you are not using what you learn and what this tree and consciousness gives you, if you ignore, if you go into your shadows, if you try to find the more easy way, then things are reflecting back in different ways, shake you through so that you know and realize and you, then you can go back and bring it in alignment again or not. And if not, I think this is when people really can experience oof, disharmony. Hmm. It was interesting when you, when you first described the, the experience with the tree, it was very archetypical of the Buddha's story, actually. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Sitting under this tree, emptying, going through every mm. layer of the mind. And mm -hmm. Can you give an example? It doesn't necessarily have to be from your own experience, mm. but like what that would look like when, when someone learns something from the diet and then they, they see it's reflected back at them. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they have some teaching, but then... Mm -hmm. Uh, from what I understand you're saying, if, if you're not embodying that, if you're not putting mm -hmm. that as a principle, it can be reflected back to you. Yeah. Can you think of an example of that? Yeah. I mean, the, the most closest is, is our personal personal experiences and um, as my process is to be authentic and also showing my shadows and showing my vulnerability, I take this personal one and not trying to find, any, find anything else. Um, yeah, one... One was for me like it was after my, my first two 10-day diet. So it was all very, very, very fresh in 2016. And I was in Berlin where was still my old environment with all this old um, behavior reminders and old patterns showing up everywhere. Um, like 
like one one thing for me it was really clear I don't want to take any more any chemical substances drugs MDMA you know amphetamines ketamine things which were part in my life before for 15 years almost to, to go to parties and do that I knew I could see how sticky the energy is in my in my thoughts in between of my thoughts in between how there are pockets in my in my in my whole system where it's like sticky because I used it I used it to 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 suppress unconsciously things in my life I could see that I tried to control my emotions with certain substances oh I want to feel happy I want to feel good I want to feel confident or I just want to chill and I smoke some weed you know like I I used drugs to since I was 14 15 to control my emotions and to to control myself And there were a lot of pain, what I didn't want to feel. It was not consciously, but I could see it through my first diets. So I knew that I want to be purely me and I want to learn being purely me. And, and I, I, I stick to that for, for two, two years or something like that. But then 2016, when I came back out of my first diet, I was in Berlin, all the clubs and all my friends who still are in the same patterns. I was like... I can do that, just, just, a, just a little, you know. And I felt so afterwards, my body was hurting and painful. My, my mind got really clouded and I could sense like how I interrupted like the flow from the plant energy and me. Like for me, it's like, you know, like the, when you diet, I see it that way. It's my subjective thing. Other people probably see it differently. But I see it like when you diet, you have this, you get this network, um, like this really fine network of energy which is flowing through you and which is connected to the trees and to universe and to other wisdom. And you are embedded in that flow, you know, and when you, when you are in alignment and when, you, when you're connected and aligned with what you learn, you're the whole time in this interaction which is guiding you. Which, which supports you in your releasing and in your healing and in your input and output. And I could see after this weekend um, that, that I, I felt <clears throat> before it was all this flow and connectiveness and then there was this, like this glue, you know, like not, not being really in the flow and, and also, um, yeah, I could sense it on different layers. Luckily, I went to Peru and I was dieting again. And then it was for me, I got cleaned out and I could learn even more. I mean, I learned a lot through that. And I don't regret it because for me, it was really important, this relapse <laughs> yeah, and this old pattern in 2016 um, to really realize even on a deeper layer what it means. Same, also like a personal example, but maybe people can relate to it. I had also in my first diets in 2016, like a huge, huge teaching. It's personal, but it's okay. <laughs> um, about what does it mean to, to have sex with someone and exchanging energy? And with who do you exchange energy? And the tree was showing me, or I, I saw, I mean, I say sometimes the tree was showing me, but it's through the tree and through the ayahuasca I experienced like a, like a really clear image how through dieting I get this green light energy inside of myself. And dieting also means honoring, honoring your energy, taking care about yourself, 
looking after yourself, being healthy, being, being well and taking care, that's also a commitment. When this maestros and the lineage from them and the ancestors where they got all this knowledge through all these years, 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 I don't know, centuries, I don't know, but passed on what an honor it is to receive, to receive that. And your part, my part, was shown to me, I have to honor that and taking care about it and not waste it. And if, I'm, if I have sex with someone who is still, and I was in Berlin, that's why it was about a, a particular person who is still in this, this life, you know, like drinking, partying, da-da-da, not taking care about his energy. If I exchange with someone who has this different energy, I'm not honoring my, because I give it out and I get this gray, I saw it like gray and sticky back. So I'm not honoring my energy. So I have to be more conscious and aware about my energy and to take care about that. And I also had a relapse in that in the beginning in 2016. And also afterwards, um, I experienced similar things like I explained before. So, and then I realized like even more like how much commitment it is, you know? I mean, how, this was just my beginning experiences. But um, also now, later on, you know, when I started to do retreats, when I started to do master plan diets with my maestros, where it's like really, really clear how to organize something, how to be in alignment, how to take care about others as well, and not me, 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 me first. How, what does it mean to be in service? and really letting the energy of the tree and the knowledge flowing through me and being there as a channel and as a bridge, you know. And also there I had sometimes moments where maybe an ego thing played out or um, I didn't want to do something because money-wise it didn't make sense. And I had just the thought, it doesn't make sense money-wise. Why should I do that now? You know, traveling there, doing all that for this two or three people, And then I got really fast, like shown, no, 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 no. You do that because you are receiving so much and you're grateful for what you receive. And it's my integrity to give it back much as possible that other people can learn as well and grow and heal as well. So let go of all other thoughts, be in this flow of service um, to, to be in reciprocity with the plant work, work and the medicine world, the Raunate. So you are in reciprocity with this world. So it means that your service is to be, to, to, to create space and hold space where your maestros can work and other people can come for healing. So this was recently happening for me, but I, I notice it now I'm, I most, I would say I notice it quite quick. I just have a thought You know, maybe I have the thought a little longer, I'm not doing that, no, I want to stay home, I want to have my cacao and I want to have my good food and I want to be at home, I don't want to go to the jungle and maybe a lockdown happens and then I can't, back, can't come back home. No, no, no. But then I, you know, the energy is like giving me pressure or I feel not good and then I check in, what's happening? Okay, okay, okay. And then I make the decision, I book the flights, I, I say, okay, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. And, and then again, You know, I feel supportive, supported from life and energy and that. Mm -hmm. So these are different. Did, did this answer yeah. of your question? Yeah, that seems like a really good point too, because I think a lot of people 
it could be correct, but I think it could not, which is this idea that, you know, the, the deeper one goes into this work, the, the mind is just pure, clean, and these, these, what you may say, negative thoughts don't arise. And I think that's really nice how you put it. It's not that they don't arise. It's just mm. there, there's, a, there's a recognition of it mm. faster. It's, one can see it for what it is, and then it, it loses its power, and it goes aside, and, mm. and a clearness or a, a higher truth or a clarity mm-hmm. arises in place of that thought. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important point because I think a lot of people, as you were mentioning, this process of integration, you know, if, mm. if, if they relapse or these, these thoughts mm-hmm. come up, it's mm-hmm. almost seen as a failure. Mm-hmm. But I think more important is then, mm-hmm. you know, how do we react to those? And mm-hmm. are we sitting in that thought for five minutes, for, for five days, for five, you know, some people five years, mm-hmm. five decades, some people sit in a thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or does the thought arise and, mm-hmm. and you know, for, for a shorter amount of time, it, it, it mm-hmm. has a hold and then it's something else arises and replaces it. Yeah. Yeah. You're so good with this putting things in words <laughs> and explaining them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you mentioned also something really interesting. You, know, you were saying when you were 14, when you were young, you were you're out in the woods and you were working, uh, I'm guessing, maybe with mushrooms and you were mm-hmm. having these really profound experiences where you were seeing energy and connection. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you felt like you needed something else, like yeah. a guidance yeah. maybe. So what, what do you think is the difference between working with something on your own yeah. and, and having a guide or you use the word maestro? Yeah. Um, because I think for a lot of people, that's always this really mm-hmm. interesting dilemma. Yeah. Because on the one hand, some people would say, well, the, the plant or the mushroom in that instance yeah. is the teacher. It contains everything. So yeah. Why do I need to find someone else? Yeah. And then other people would say, no, no, you, you can never do that. You yeah. have to find the teacher because, like, how do you learn anything? Yeah. You, you know, you need a, a, a human, potentially, who's been through that process to help you guide, mm-hmm. to guide you through that process. Yeah. Do you think one is true and one is not, or is there some sort of balance in there? Or, or what is the... What is the benefit of having a, a maestro mm-hmm. or a guide? Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. It's so important. Um, so I think there's not one... For me, there's not one one truth, I mean, in general. <laughs> but for that topic, um, I mean, I know there, there are people, they, there are people who use plants by themselves and, and they have their breakthroughs and their learning and their healing. But also... Um, I think there's a huge danger and a huge, huge risk when you use plants by yourself because maybe you experience something where you think you have a breakthrough or learning, but to the same time it causes on another layer a lot of blockages and a lot of interruption. Maybe you are aware about after, maybe you're not aware about after. And I mean it's so unlimited energetically what can happen um, so much more can happen that I'm aware about, even even now after doing all this long dietas. But I know there can things energetically happen which maybe open you in a way that you're more accessible for other low vibrations or maybe 
Things can happen where you get blocked in your process because energy is not completely flowing through, which can cause disharmony, blockages, sickness, illnesses, attraction to certain other blockages or low stuff. Um, so it's very, for me, it's very, very risky to do like strong plants without having a training around energies and what can happen and how you move energy, how you focus on energy, how it flows and how you protect afterwards again your field. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't see myself there right now. I mean, my maestro supporting me now to, since a while, since more than a, since two years, I think they want that I drink by myself, just for me to learn. But I'm, I'm very careful with that. Um, because there's so much I, 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 I still don't know and I don't know if I ever will know, you know. Um, so I know that people have that, hey, it's just the plant and me. And I, I, I can see that. I can understand where this comes from. But also now with what I saw and what I'm learning, I can see it's very, very tricky and it can be very dangerous. And maybe you're not aware after Maybe you have an accident or maybe you meet weird people or maybe you, you, you attract weird things. Maybe you're not in flow of life and maybe, maybe it's connected because um, energetically something is not in alignment and it's not in the best shape. And maybe if you have someone who really knows about energy, like I call them shibibo maestros or healers just because I learn with shibibos, but there are others, you know, who learn different things. Maybe if you would work with a master who has the connection to the plant and to the energies and know how to work with you and how to bring you in a good shape and structure, maybe life would be very different after. But there are things in the unknown. And I, I, I yeah, that's just how I experience it and how I see it. So you would describe the maestro as, as someone who's, when, when someone takes a plant, they're able to, to somehow like guide or to align to bring things into harmony, whereas if they weren't there, things could potentially be disordered? Yeah. Yes. I think that when you really have like a uh, someone who knows, someone who you know, for many, many, many years, learned to connect to the energy, consciousness, world, however you want to call it, from this plant, has a connection to the plant and is perceiving or, or seeing when you drunk the plant and you have the plant inside of you and the plant unfolds, the energy unfolds in, in your field, the person who knows how to connect to this world and consciousness from this energy knows how to connect this energy to you in the most best healing way to connect you to light, you know, in, in the way where I learn to, con to, 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 to um, make your field, to harmonize your field in connection even, you know, to stars, to the sun, to the earth, to the moon. So, so your, I call it like that, Maybe for others, this is, this is not the way, but your place in universe, like your individual system gets connected and harmonized with universe where you are bedded in, 
Um, and if there are blockages, you know, or if there are patterns which are e, they work on them, how they see it on an energetically level. How you feel it and sense it can be different when they do the work. Maybe mentally things come up, physically, emotionally. Maybe you don't sense anything, but they work what they see energetically, what unfolds and shows up for you on your different layers. Traumata, limitations, separation, things which are um, um, un unpaired or dis dis dispaired. They, they connect them, they linkage them, so that the, the, the result is that the energy and the colors, the energy is what they see, that they flow in a nice pattern. So they work on this energetically um, channels and fields. And this has an effect in you, how you are connected to your being and how you are bedded in the whole. And this is for me high technology energetically work where I'm again and again blown away because it's incredible and it, it, it's much more than we rational can see and it's so unlimited and there's so much emerging in that which you can't break down in its own parts because it's, 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 That's how, how I experience it. Mm -hmm. And this is for me the work from a good master or someone who knows in connection with the plant you have in. And yeah, and that's for me just so amazing that we still have these people who can do that. Mm -hmm. If we would not have them anymore, you know, then it would be different. But as long as we have them, it's amazing to take advantage or to, to, to connect to, to these people, to perceive that. Yeah. If we have the possibility. I also know some people don't have the possibility. They sit somewhere in a city or somewhere they can't travel. You know, they, they, they are just, they are not in the situation, but they have maybe access to a plan. So, so I mean, I, I know I'm so grateful that I got guided here to Peru and that I can learn with with this lineage of healers, with this family, and that I got so supported from life that I can diet every year for many, many months, or I did that at least in the last years. So that's a, a huge gift. And I know we are all in different situations, so I believe we have to check in and reflect individually. Hmm. You were mentioning in the beginning this idea of, you know, you were really drawn to people experiencing what in, in the West we may call psychosis or, or mental illness, but that you felt it was potentially something different or something missing. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you think plant medicines in that way can aid that person that, that it can, it can provide them potentially that, that missing link of what they're looking for? Mm -hmm. Because I think, uh, you know, I mean, I would probably say every single human being alive is mentally ill, <laughs> myself included. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's all a spectrum. You know, how, to what degree do we hold on? To what degree do we suffer? To, 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 to what degree do we believe everything in our mind is mm -hmm. true? And, mm -hmm. you know, to some degree, 
to that extent, we're, we're suffering or, or mm-hmm. our mind isn't completely in harmony, which, mm-hmm. you know, illness or disease just means being out of ease, being out of balance, out of harmony. Yeah. So obviously there can be a huge spectrum. Um, and, and so I think everyone coming down to some degree working with these plants is suffering from some form of mental illness. It's the, the human illness, mm-hmm. as you were saying. It differs individually, but mm-hmm. there's also the human illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, you know, from, from all the work you've done, you've, you've seen that has a tremendous impact, a tremendous benefit. Mm-hmm. But what about those people who are maybe, we could say, more on, on the, the, the further end of the spectrum where in the West we would clearly say that person has a mental illness, that person mm-hmm. has bipolar, that person mm-hmm. has a psychosis. Do you think that, that actually these plants have the potential to, to heal them or is there mm-hmm. also a danger in that? Pause. No, there's, there's for sure a danger. And there's a possibility to heal both. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a such an interesting field, and it's such a mm, we don't know often we don't know what the outcome is. And I think with um, people who have psychosis experiences, and especially when they were for a longer time, not just a short episode like a longer period it's very very tricky with ayahuasca right I don't mean I think there are many many other plants and which are not psychoactive which can prepare and help but I don't know much enough around that I have to say I'm not on this date I think it's also very individual you know what to trigger the psychosis so I think it's very important for someone who knows that the person comes in a ceremony you know and like as in the traditional way the the healer the shaman drinks the ayahuasca the, the patient or the client not but to give for the one who knows the chance to see what's happening energetically where are the entanglements where are the blockages what is, I think you need first to see the energetically pattern, you know, and then to see how can you release and how can you clean and how can you restructure, destructure the energetically patterns that it flows in harmony, you know, with, with everything around what is. How can you bring in alignment, the energy, because it, it starts on the, on the, on the smallest part of energy, what you need to see, how to, from within, how to, how to heal. So I think there is, from my perspective, not one answer. It needs to be seen first, what, what's, what's there. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned this idea that, that a lot of the younger people you saw you felt like they were missing something in the spiritual dimension. Yeah. What Do you have a sense of, of, of what that is or, or how that can be alleviated? Yeah. I believe, you know, every part... I, I, um, I, 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 
I'm very interested since since one and a half years, more or less. I'm learning with different Western Western um, teachers as well. I'm I'm in the end of the one year program with Dr. Gabo Mate, and I'm very interested in the internal family system. I'm not doing a course. I don't need only the short course, but no certification courses with Dr. Richard Schwartz. But he works with parts. I found this very interesting, and also. Like I like to combine all that, you know, like what I learn in the Shibibo tradition, but also what I learn with Dr. Gabo Mate, what I what I so far learned, but I want to go deeper with um, Dr. Richard Schwartz from from IFS, and also um, from Dr. Dan Siegel. I'm I'm right now doing a course. It's interpersonal neurobiology, and I like to connect all the dots. And I'm still I'm in an integration process how to connect all that, but I found it quite interesting. But to come back to that to the question, for me, it's really interesting to see and what is absolutely in alignment, what I learned in the Shibibu tradition with the plants, that every part in you wants to be seen and wants to be acknowledged. And I mean with parts like all kind of emotions, defense mechanisms, traumas, maybe something happened and it's in exile, maybe it's separated and then there are other parts which are protecting this part of pain or haven't been seen or trauma, you know. And I think very important it is to, we could say, unblend these different parts or we could say to dis- learn to distinguish these different parts in us. And it needs often time because there are many defense mechanisms which we build up or many protections. But when we get... And this is the same what I now can what I can see in ceremony. So for me also it was like first I could see these things in ceremony, experimental, and then I got curious and I started to learn with these different Western approaches. Also I want to mention the diamond approach, which is for me like also like opening a lot. And then I can connect it, you know, and I think like like a person where it's like young people who experience um maybe the missing linkage to spirituality and that's why they get sick, I think it would really be important to really give them the chance to see them and that they can feel felt and really, really going in attunement with them and building up trust and resonance so that they feel safe. And when you feel safe, you know, you... You can go deep with someone and really looking at different parts. Who wants to be seen? Where's pain? Where's vulnerability? You know, and, and who who are you? Who who are you really? You know, what is your true essence? What is your self-energy? And where is it blocked? You know? Where is it blocked? And where are beliefs, you know, and where are conditions? And who 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 are you really? Who who are you really? And really showing this interest. And then exploring from there. And and I think as, as children or teenagers, we have so many questions, great questions. Where I'm coming from? Where do I go? You know, what is life? And I think these are natural questions, you know. And, and what I also heard, like someone saying, for example, awakening is also like an instinct that you have the awakening is like this cheesy word, but I don't know another word. Like real, you know, when you want to realize more, you know, you want to realize more and you have like openings, aha moments. This I call like, for me, these are little, you know, like awakenings. 
and um, that this is also an instinct at some point when you realize surviving doesn't mean just sleeping, eating, having sex. That surviving goes like more out of this physical. And that's why some people have this impulse or this instinct, I, I want to learn more, I want to realize more, because it's this inner knowing that survival goes much more further, further than our physically survival. So I think that many of us, depending, I don't know, depending who we are and at which stage we are, that we as children and teenagers, we already have that in us. This instinct, it's more about eating, sleeping, sex, like this typical recognized survival instincts. There's more. So I want to explore where I'm coming from. Where do I go? What is out there? And when this gets not responded, because maybe the environment is blocked in that way. Don't ask these questions, you know. You are this body, you come out of your mom and, and then you die and da-da-da, you know? Like when this is not getting in resonance, I think that can it can create gaps of confusion and limitation and energy can't flow fully because this part is not seen in you. And that's why I think it's it it's so important to unreveal with young people as well, whoever, old people, to unreveal, to, to really see what is there, to distinguish, to unblend, to make space for, however we call it, true essence, self-energy. And I think if we, if we, psychology, very important, you know, to, to understand our patterns, why we experience that or that, that we get a sense for compassion, Also, why, why we got there, that we get a sense of responsibility and not blaming, but seeing, hey, I'm like that and that, and not blaming others, not blaming self, but really getting re realizing which puzzle pieces make us to who we are, what is like learned personality, and making that transparent and making space for self-energy, for true essence. And yeah, and I think there, there's a lot of potential You use this word trauma, and that's a word that, that I think it's used a lot now. And it seems like a, a lot of people talk about that in terms of plant medicine, that that's, you know, mm. plant medicine mm -hmm. is, is, is alleviating trauma or getting to the root of the trauma. Yeah. Do you think that's what plant medicine is doing, or that's just one of, that's one of the things that it's doing, or that's, that's one of the byproducts of plant medicine? And then also... To what degree do you think it's beneficial to to go into the trauma, to see it, to acknowledge it? And then is there also a point where one needs to let it go, mm -hmm. to, to release it? And and what is that what is that maybe line mm -hmm. for you? Um so for me, trauma is something what is frozen. For me, that's something what is um, limiting me in my experience. Especially um, when I'm not aware about it. It can control my life. If there's something what happened in the past and I'm acting out of this past experience again and again without noticing, it's the past is influencing my present and my future. 
And um, for me, plant medicine, when we are open to it, um, it can show us many things which are where we are not aware about, which are in our unconsciousness. And it can help us going through protection or going through, you know, walls we build up not to feel that pain, not to see that. But then it's guiding us and leading us out of our past and out of our unconsciousness. So for me, like a, one of the biggest values, I think, with plant medicine is it that it can open the curtain so we get more conscious and we bring light and unconsciousness so we get more aware, what also means we can take more responsibility because when we are more aware where we are acting and responding out of, we can take responsibility. Otherwise, um, we are we are not conscious. We don't have this space where we choose and it gives us choice. The more we know about ourselves, the more choice we can have and the more space for choice we can create to guide us through our life. So the more empowerment and the more inner leadership we, we can address and develop. Um, trauma, for me, as I said, is... Um, um, it's, it's, it's limitation and um, and it's and if we get aware I think if we learn to feel things and to you know often I think trauma it's it's when something gets frozen it's a protective mechanism because at some point in your life it was like I can't feel that pain I would not survive I would die whatever happened or I'm not able to feel this fear and go through it. There was maybe not the environment who could, could be there for you or could hold that, could be in attunement with you. If you have an environment where something really difficult happens and there are people immediately there who can be there with you and they are open and they feel you and they have compassion and they have empathy and you are seen, your pain is seen and other people allow you to feel fully because they know how to feel. I mean, often, I mean, our parents or environment, they also have the same, like, oh, fear. Oh, you're fine, you're fine, here, yeah, ice cream, yeah? Or you experience pain. They are not able to feel with you the pain because they learned feeling pain, I would break apart. So not feeling pain. So they pass on to you because they don't know better because they, they didn't learn, learn it and their ancestors didn't learn. I mean... I experienced that that very, very deeply. I didn't know how to feel pain. And it's still fucking hard. And I had ancestral lines who there was no place to feel pain. They had to survive. They were in the war. They, they had to survive and they didn't know. I think many people have that. So I think trauma happens in, in how I see it. Or I mean, it's just a word. But what I, what I see is when... When we have to suppress certain parts, certain emotions, because there's no space to fully feel them, because when it's fully felt, I think it can't get this block, it can't get this frozen part. And if it's fully felt, energy goes through it and it gets part of us. It gets not separated. It flows with us. It's one. But if there's something happening, what we can't, can't take for whatever reason... It gets pushed by side and then we create programs and dynamics 
not to feel that. And then in the end, these programs and dynamics are controlling our life. But when we get aware, we can untie them, we can see them, and step by step, some people fast, some people slow, whatever fast and slow is, you know, but they can address this these things and they can get aware oh now I have this defense mechanism and now I do that because I don't want to feel that and the more we bring that in daily life what is for me integration what is for me I call it like also inquiry I like to the word inquiry to ask questions to our questions to self-inquiry and the more we can get aware about that and seeing I think the more it gets loose and the more we can bring it in through feeling through seeing to us and we get whole and I think the plants can be very very supportive but also said that I think it depends individually if we can just do that with the plants or if it's good to have a facilitator to have a therapist or to have a mentor you know someone who is helping you and supporting you giving you some tools how to work with that and how to see it I believe I I, I was mostly by myself. I didn't have facilitators, besides in the beginning, but when I went deep in diets, there were no facilitators. It was just the Shibibo shaman and me. I think many things for me needed more time to see and acknowledge, much more time. I think if I would have someone who would know about that, I think I could realize and heal certain parts or bringing them more in awareness much faster. But I also see the value for me personally. I needed more time to see, you know, and to get aware. But it, it's okay. It's fine. Um, yeah. Did this answer your question? Yeah. How, how would you describe that role as a facilitator? Because that's that's something you you find yourself in now, mm. in 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 various situations. So, what is that role, and and why do you why do you think it's important? I think we, we as facilitators, we, so especially when we went through our own diets, you know, and we, 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 we have knowledge about the, the energetically finer layers and we have knowledge about um, different approaches, you know, for, for our Western mind and, and how, how, how we live life. I see it, I see myself as bridging you know bridging like the energetically work which is happening in ceremony with the plants through the maestros of course also it it, it continues in in life out like bridging that with with support guidance um how to process you know mentally emotionally spiritual things and um and to ask questions for me it gets more and more like asking questions because I trust that every one of us has has the answers and the wisdom inside, and and this is where where my trust and my questions and my work comes from. So I really like to see you know where where is someone at what happens, and then asking questions you know to encourage someone to feel inside to look inside. Maybe I can give some reflections, which are helpful to open awareness and open doors for the person to to see and maybe I can can give some tools you know which are resonating with the person to work with to work to work through 
and building up a, a, a field of trust. I mean, it depends individually, you know, where is the person, what does the person want and what does the person need. So it's like being really present, seeing seeing the individual and and giving reflections and bridging and connecting dots that the person in itself can can find the power of healing and wholeness and connection. Mm-hmm. Compassion. I mean, compassion is a big one to remind people and support people to find compassion for self. Because this changes the frequency. If we are in blame and if we are um, in shame, this lowers, lowers the vibration. And there are certain ways, I think, how we can bring awareness to have compassion to self, you know, to give reflections, to see, hey, when you were little and going back down when did you learn that you know and then seeing okay if you if you sometimes you cannot see it for yourself but if you imagine you know like a, a small girl a boy in that age going through that do you see you know what this person made it mean and why you learned that and that and hey we are all humans you know and we take things on and that's that's a human experience that we inherited and then that we give give that we pass on to our children and that we receive from from our ancestors things and we are then the the generator or transformator transformator that's that's just being a human you know and we don't need to blame self or others for anything we just it's just good if we can acknowledge and see and then taking responsibility to shift and seeing we have a choice now and the power to shift and change things we're not stuck there we can shift it and taking this responsibility and seeing it as responsibility instead of blame and judgment, the sense of possibility and choice and responsibility for change, I think, can empower. Why do you think that's, I mean, I think for many people that will resonate, for some people that I think it can be triggering for them. Mm. Why do you think it, I mean, one, why do you, I mean, maybe you don't think, but but if so, why if that's triggering for people, why that is, and and two, why do you think that's so hard for people to let go? Let go of the blame, the judgment. Mm. We are so used to it. It's a condition. It's a pattern that might be triggering as well. <laughs> mm. Why is it difficult to let go of judgment and blame? Because there's a missing, there's a disconnection, a missing part of the experience of love and compassion. And that's that's a process. I mean, it can be a process. Some people are maybe um, they they access it um, more easy, and for some it needs more time. And I believe it's ancestral stuff as well. Um, but but. And, let's say and, not but, and, and we have the power to change, always. I think it really starts with awareness and acknowledging where things come from and where are we, how are we able to transform where we give our intention, you know, and where do we put the intention and um, where, what do we believe? I mean, if I believe... Um, there's no love, or if I have the pattern, I don't trust in love, or if I have the experience, I never experienced empathy and compassion in all my life, that's hard. 
that's hard and that can cause a lot of suffering and if we if we learn you know to blame and to be in judge judgmental these are really ingrained deep patterns and breaking through that the plants are very powerful with that because they just can shift these patterns they can through the energy of the plants and the consciousness and the information what the plants carry it can that's the power of the plants they really can break through but i also believe um with just you know like talking and space you also can get there to connect to compassion and love and realizing where's the judgment coming from you know it i mean it would be it would be would need some time you know when did you believe that the first time and you know and where did you learn that and um you know but when you go down to the root 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 you can you can you can realize that there's a different perspective how you can perceive yourself and life yeah i mean it, I'm also just thinking this time we're in with the pandemic. Mm. I mean, those two words actually really resonate as very strong. I mean, if mm -hmm. if I go on social media or if you look at the news, there's a tremendous amount of blame and judgment. Mm -hmm. And I think for most people, when we do that, mm -hmm. we feel right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like the, the blame and the judgment an inherent quality of that is I'm right. Mm -hmm. Therefore I can blame, therefore mm -hmm. I can judge because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm right. And the other person is wrong. Yeah. How, how do you see one can begin to shift that? Because it seems like that quality, if, if I truly believe that I'm right, then I'm justified in judging or I'm justified mm -hmm. in blaming. Mm -hmm. And even I guess if we talk about trauma, right, mm -hmm. it's very easy to say, well, this person mm -hmm. did something to me, I'm right, they were wrong, mm -hmm. I'm justified to blame them, I'm justified mm -hmm. to judge them, because mm -hmm. I'm right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why, why would I ever want to, mm -hmm. to shift that? that? That would almost make me wrong mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. elevate them to the status of like, mm -hmm. they, they win now, they, they, got, they, they got their way at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are different, different things, you know? I mean, why, why do, what does it give you to feel right? What what is the difference between right and wrong, and why why would you why do, do people need to feel right? You know, what does it mean? Where did you learn you need to feel right? I mean, where did humans learn that they need to feel right? I mean, that's for me such a thing. You know, why do I need to be right, and why do I need someone to be wrong? And I mean, the the thing of trauma type, someone did something to you which were harming you, I mean, there comes in also the word forgiveness, right? And forgiveness doesn't mean that, um, for me, it doesn't mean to, to say to someone what you did is right. Forgiveness means for me to let go of blaming someone and kind of accepting what happened in the past like acceptance, I, ho I heard, like, I can't remember who said it, but it's like a, um, letting go of the, was it letting go of the hope of the past? Something like that? So letting, letting go of the idea what I think should have happened. 
and it's it's a favor for self because if you feel resentment or if you yeah if you feel resentment towards someone you harm yourself in the end you could get even physically sick you know and it's not forgiveness doesn't mean that you say what you what you did is right no it's more like i let go and i ac accept what happened I accept that something happened to me what caused a lot of pain and now I work through the pain. And I mean, it's a huge step and it's also not that someone should forgive. I think it's forgiveness comes when someone realizes it, it and that it gives liberation for self. It gives liberation for self. And... and And I think acceptance it's such a such, such a deep deep exploration as as well, you know. Do we accept mentally or do we accept really deeply with our heart something? And can we really let go? And really acceptance for me is also trust in universe, you know, whatever happens in universe, I see that I learn, I see that I grow, and I see whatever happens, it's my challenge to grow and to expand and to go this path and what is right and what is wrong, does it really matter? Who is judging what is right and what is wrong, and how how free can you be if you let go of right and wrong, and just making maybe more the inner work and seeing what is in alignment and, and authenticity and integrity for you in you, and how can you change the world in being an in integrity in you instead of blaming. And as as you know, as we often work like when we introduce like a group, and when a group comes and we say, hey. Maybe you might feel triggered, but always when you put the finger out there, put it back to you and see what it means for you. And there's the work. And everything what we see in the outside and what we blame and where we feel triggered, it's always something what we didn't solve for ourselves. Because if, if you are in peace and in harmony, you would not feel triggered through someone else, at least not in this urgency or not in this um, explosion. You know, I, see if, I think if we have an explosion inside... It's in inside, it's not out there. So it needs to look at it. And what is for you integrity and authenticity to respond to it? And I mean, there it's for me like also like the responding to something in the outside. That's for me like a big work again and again to create a space from which energy do I respond to the outside? Because if I respond because I feel triggered or there's some fear or whatever, and I use this energy to respond, I create also fear, I create frustration, I create anger. But if I'm able to be peaceful and in harmony inside, and I'm able to, to choose consciously how I respond, then I can really transform the event or the what's happening there. And... Um, And I think when we blame, you know, we, we, just, we just give this blame and judgment more energy and we create more and more and it multiplies. And um, yeah, and I think, I think we create, it's really interesting when, we, when you observe from which energy, which energy we put out there. Because this is the more we learn about that, the more responsibility also we have around it. And it seems like that that act of judging or blaming 
it, it seems like it can almost be addictive because there's there there, there at least seems to be a temporary mm-hmm. um, boost of the ego. I, I don't know if you know mm-hmm. dopamine or serotonin mm-hmm. is released, but mm-hmm. it often seemingly feels good, right? Like I'm right. Mm-hmm. It, it's it even that word I. It's mm-hmm. it's cre- it's creating or building the sense mm-hmm. of self. Like I am right. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think if any of us look at our own lives, we see that the feeling we're eventually left with is a feeling of not good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, to, to judge or to blame, mm-hmm. there's always some sort of anger in there, mm-hmm. resentment. And and you mentioned this idea of liberation. I mean, to liberate ourselves from that is to be free of that. But mm-hmm. And that also seems to some degree of, of like taking one's power back. Mm-hmm. Because as long as I'm lost in this relationship of blaming, of judging, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'm never free. Mm-hmm. Just in the literal sense, there, there's yeah. someone else who's still connected to me in that way. Yeah. There's a relationship that, that I'm continuing to feed yeah. by, by judging them, by, by blaming them. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and what, about, what about also, you know, to think about, okay what I see in the other person, could it be also a part of me or what part in humanity it is? And like when we, yeah, I think you, you, you spoke about that somehow before. Well, that's something I think from, from my experience doing this work is, you know, I think Byron Katie says it really well and funny. She says, uh, when you fight reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I see that same thing with, with judgment, actually, is that mm-hmm. it's actually 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. we judge, it's actually coming from something yeah. in, in us that's still unresolved. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if I resolve that thing in myself, yeah. then... I can see it in someone, but there's not a judgment. How, how yeah. could I judge them if, if I was doing the same thing? Yeah. And if I've overcome that, then I think the natural human phenomena is, well, can I help that person? Do they yeah. want help? Yeah. Maybe they don't, but then there's, yeah. it's, it's, they're, they're in their process. It's, yeah. And I think, you know, it's also important that, that it doesn't mean like someone just like sits on a couch all day and doesn't do anything. No, not at all. It's yeah. actually the opposite. Yeah. It's it's if if one is truly free in that moment, mm-hmm. whatever is arising is actually one can fully engage in that. Yeah. I mean, if I, you know, there's a dog outside. If someone came and started hitting him, I, I wouldn't start judging or blaming the person. There would just be a natural reaction of no, I have to go stop that because yeah. that the the dog is getting hurt. Yeah. And yeah. then understanding, like, why were they doing that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean we can't be harsh, we can't be firm. No. We can't. But getting getting more and more aware, or that we that we don't project from inside out. And how can I change? Or how can I how can I help? You use the word help. How can I help, or how can I change the frequency or energy in 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 my environment? And if I'm if I'm reacting and reacting out of anger or fear, that's not helpful. That's never helpful. I would say. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's also one of these really interesting martial arts principles. Mm. You know, if I'm pushing and the guy's pushing back, mm-hmm. we're just kind of in this back and forth. You know, neither of us is getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
but if he's pushing and I can I can mm-hmm. use that and mm-hmm. then I actually I use less force I, I, I end up in a, in a better position in a better way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but so many of us I think we're in that mindset of like if something's wrong I have to deal with it in that same as you said that same energetic frequency mm-hmm which just ends up creating more. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know that, you know. Yeah. If, if, if someone is judging us, we don't respond in a good mm-hmm. way to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. If someone is blaming us or someone's telling us what to do, yeah. I mean, the natural human reaction is to pull back from that or, or you know, to, to, to push into it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a energetically layer, what I also... I think it, it, it came up in some of my, my diets also, like, how can I protect myself? What does it mean to protect, you know, if, if people are around me full with fear? And right now I think we are in a, we're living in a time where, where people, there's so much fear. And it's even, you know, through media, etc., the fear is increasing. And, and I realized, you know, when I have sometimes like just right now with this thing what's going on in the world when people are full in fear and and talking a lot about it sometimes I had moments where where it took over you know and I felt also the fear so for me it's also like okay I'm aware there is this fear but then I'm also aware that I have trust and if I'm in my trust energy and I can center there then I'm not resonating with this fear. But if I if I go in resonance with the fear, I'm I'm in resonance, I'm in vibration with the fear, and I make it even stronger and it's dominating me. So how 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 can I not go there? And it was for me like really finding the place of trust energy. Also I have my trees, I have to say I can you know, it's my way to, to sing to them. I don't have to do that loud. And then the vibration from the tree comes in and I'm with that. And it's not that I was like, yeah, but I'm, I don't want to ignore what's happening outside. But it's I'm aware that this is there, but I'm not going into it. I stay in my frequency or I use like the trees or the sense of trust or, you know, some people have maybe the earth or they have other elements which they call in to be in this frequency, to not go on the same wavelengths like the fear. And um, do you have some experience with that? You know, like how how not to engage with strong feelings, like for example, fear, how not to engage and not to increase, but being aware that it's there. Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought of an example, I think it was a week or two ago, when I was talking to a friend of mine, she's a medical doctor in Cusco, mm-hmm. and she wrote me out of the blue, and she's like, Jason, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had had COVID, you know, a number of months ago, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it, was, it was fine. Um, but she's like, you know, the, the hospitals are overwhelmed, I'm seeing so many people every day, my brother who had COVID, he's been reinfected again. Mm. And I could feel that same mm-hmm. thing because for the for the last, I mean, pretty much since the pandemic has started, I, I yeah. haven't. I've, I've I've consciously, I think, made a choice not to live in that state of fear. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean one hundred percent of the time mm-hmm. I'm not, 
But it kind of like you were talking about, a lot was also a process of inquiry. Like, what is this? What mm-hmm. are the actual effects? You know, what are the chances of getting it? What are the chances once I have it? What is it going to do? You know, what are the trade-offs between living in your house all day and not doing anything versus going outside? What's the trade-off between wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, mm-hmm. washing your hands? Why? You know, and how often do you do that? Do you wash your hands constantly? Do you carry a bottle around all day? Do you mm-hmm. do it five times a day, three times a day? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that that's where I think a, a lot of the problem is when we talk about these things like absolutes, you know, or mm-hmm. follow the science, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is relative. Everything has inherent risk. I mean, if I really wanted to be safe, I'd, I'd walk around with my motorcycle helmet all day because there's a chance that I could fall and die, mm-hmm. or uh, an ayahuma fr- fruit could fall on my head and kill me. That actually happens. A coconut could fall on my head and kill me. But we all have to make some sort of assessment of what risk we're willing to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, there's no life. I mean, so when she said that to me, I actually noticed very strongly this, this like, emerging of like fear you know i could feel Mm -hmm. my heart beating a little faster Mm -hmm. my mind started going to that place of Mm -hmm. like well what if i do get it again what if it's worse Mm -hmm. you know all of these stories that the mind says Mm -hmm. uh you know should i should i wear my mask all the time now Mm -hmm. should i stop going out but what was fascinating kind of like i said is you know that that probably lasted i would say 10 minutes Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of like that process you described of inquiry was going back to what do I know? What do I believe in? What principles do I hold to be true? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, what is fast? As you said, what is fast? What is slow? You know, 10 minutes is still 10 minutes, but it wasn't 10 hours. It wasn't mm-hmm. 10 days. It wasn't mm-hmm. 10 years. And, you know, I found myself then back in the state I was before. Like, okay, mm-hmm. there is that. That's a reality. Mm-hmm. She's a doctor. She, you know, she's not making anything up. And this is how I choose to, to live and, mm-hmm. and what I choose to do. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, and fear is so strong. I mean, this is something I, I've talked about a lot in some of the podcasts. I probably talked about it in, in workshops. But for me, fear is the primordial emotion. Mm-hmm. Everything for me extends from what I've seen not only in myself, but, you know, in, in many, many people I've worked with, is fear is the primordial emotion. It's, you know, in the archetypes of so many religions, so many spiritual traditions, it's it's the split. It's the split from union to separation. Mm-hmm. And the mind is part of that duality, mm-hmm. that the mind is something physical, it's real. So the mind mm-hmm. can know, in Taoism, they would say the 10,000 things, the all of the manifestation of reality. The mind can potentially know all of those things. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And yet it can never know what was before that. It can never know union because the mind itself is part of separation. And so when the mind tries to comprehend what it can't know, the the emotion that arises is fear. (sighs) You're literally going into the unknown and the mind doesn't know what to do. I mean, literally, you can start shaking or, you know, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. it doesn't have a way to comprehend that. And that's terrifying for the mind mm-hmm. to, to not know. Especially when it's about life-threatening things, right? For sure. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, the, the, the fear of death is, is the strongest. Um, 
that, you know, again, some people maybe say they're not afraid of death, but nobody's died, so nobody really knows that to be true. <laughs> Um, but certainly, you know, I think when people find themselves in those situations and often plant work mm-hmm. is an amazing way to actually see that. And, you know, I've seen many people, you know, we've, we worked with special forces, Navy SEALs, people who have seemingly no fear of death and ayahuasca comes and it humbles them. Mm-hmm. It, it terrifies them. I mean, that's the, the story of the Bhagavad Gita, you know, when, when Krishna shows Arjuna himself and his infinite forms you know he's he's terrified he's humbled because the mind can't comprehend that so uh, you know i think fear is it's natural it's inherent to the human process and it's 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 i think as you said a process of inquiry Mm -hmm. like how do we how do we go into that how do we because fear is always it's 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 always a projection of some future event which is the unknown, because we, we actually have no idea what's going to happen in two seconds, in, in one year, in two years. Obviously, it's like, you know, diminishing returns. I, I have a fairly good idea of what's going to happen in two seconds. In two minutes, maybe still a decent idea. You know, I'm projecting what's going to happen. You're probably going to take another puff, or, you know, this podcast is going to continue. Mm-hmm. But in two days less, in two years less, in 20 years less, in 200 years even less, in 2,000 years even less, in 2 million years. So, you know, I think all fear comes from that projection of the future. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying with with COVID, like what if this happens? What if we go into lockdown? What if? It's, It's always what if. What if I get sick? What if I die? What if I don't have any money? What if, you know, all of these things. What if I get hit by a car? What if I get COVID? Mm-hmm. What if my father dies? What if my partner dies? What if my kid dies? And that's very difficult because in the moment, there's nothing we can do about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but I think that's where, that's where part of the, hopefully the, the solution arises is in this moment, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't do something in two minutes. Mm-hmm. I can't do something in two years. But mm-hmm. right now, there are actions that I can take mm-hmm. that will allow, you know, as you said, I mean, that's a huge part of choice. Mm-hmm. You know, choice is extremely empowering. Mm-hmm. So, what do I have the ability to do mm-hmm. that hopefully negates that fear? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm really afraid of, of, being poor, I'm really afraid of getting COVID, you know, what are the steps that I can take that mm-hmm. will make me personally, you know, not the world, not someone else, because <laughs> that's also where the blame and judgment comes in, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to do that rather than what can I do, mm-hmm. you know, for myself in this moment, for the, the people I care about. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're, when we're acting from that state, that fear isn't really there, you know, it, it's, when we're when we're actually doing, when we're enacting, fear is usually quite far removed. Talking about Copanyang, it's an example I sometimes use. I, I was uh, I was uh, Thai boxing there. Mm-hmm. The whole day leading up to the fight, super nervous, super afraid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Because my mind was thinking about what if I get knocked out? Mm-hmm. What if I lose? What if? What if? What if? What if I break my leg? You know? Mm-hmm. What if I don't last a round? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, as the fight gets closer, the, 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 it gets more intense. You know, when it's 24 hours away, it's there, but it's not super intense. As it gets closer and closer, it's more and more intense. 
you know, up until the moment when you're in the ring and you're doing the dance and there's that, I don't know if you've ever seen a fight, but there's that very um, particular music playing, almost like snake charming music. It's, mm-hmm. it's putting you and your opponent, the audience in a very particular state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that fear is still there. But once the, once I, I, like I found, once the bell rang, once that guy hit me for the first time, there was no fear. Mm-hmm. Because my mind was no longer in the future. Mm-hmm. It was here. Mm-hmm. Because if my, my mind ever went somewhere else, mm-hmm. boom, I'd get hit again. And that brought me right mm-hmm. back. And then it just becomes this dance, this dance of he, he moves, I move, I do this, he does that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and in that moment, there's, there's no fear. Mm-hmm. And that seemingly would be the, <laughs> the time where there should be the most fear, right? Because mm-hmm. that's when the thing is actually happening. Mm-hmm. But, but there wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, so you agree that the emotions, uh, body respond to the mind, to the thought? For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, you know, the, the awareness around it, I'm, I'm, well, I'm also in the process like, okay, this is an emotion. It's, often it's like dramatic and a lot of movement, whatever kind of emotion, all kind of emotions. And to realize, okay, it's a, this is the emotion, like a body respond to the mind. But then also, there's like, an, like more like a, a gut feeling, a gut sensation, gut feeling. And that's different, but that's more calm. That feels more calm and more true. And I mean, more tr- true is relative, <laughs> but it feels more calm and more grounded. And sometimes for me, it's, it's, I'm in the process of distinguishing, okay, gut feeling or like emotion, which is more like moving and can be very intense, you know? Mm. And then also there's the sense of intuition, guidance. And this is, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process, you know, for things a while, like distinguishing these different sensations, emotions also for doing choices, you know, using for, for decisions, you know, like, mm. and I think what you said also, and what we, what, what also I said, the choice, and I think choice, we have more clarity about choice, the more we get aware about all this different, how we operate, you know, these different parts, our thoughts, our emotions, gut feeling, intuition, and yeah, and we can come there through inquiry and through the plans and different things we learn about self. I think choice, it's so important because many people are not familiar with that. Mm. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I know many people who, who say they they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think the choice starts so much earlier than we are aware sometimes about. Like, yeah, and I think all of those things, that they again, they come from fear, you know, that feeling like I don't have a choice, or even the blame, the resentment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming, like we're using the maybe the COVID situation, like if, if you know, if this person doesn't wear a mask, or if this... You know, that's where the blame comes, but it's mm-hmm. coming from a fear. 
it's coming from a fear of mm-hmm. you know other people control me they they affect me mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I don't have the power and, yeah. and that's when we look to all of these other outside sources i need the government to protect me yes <laughs> i need them to give me money you know, yeah. the, I can't work, but I need them to give me yeah. money. I, I, yeah. I need them to, to, to feed me, to give me, to protect me. I, I, their military needs to protect me, you know, and dependency. Um, it, it becomes dependency. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what's talked about, you know, slavery is, is the worst thing a human can experience, I think. Yeah. And I think we know that in the physical form. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we realize that, you know, most of us, we become our own slave master. We, we create the conditions that don't allow us to be free. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's a huge part of, as you're saying, this plant work is if we can understand ourselves, these mm-hmm. parts, mm-hmm. then we can begin to make choices mm-hmm. that, that don't perpetuate that enslavement mm-hmm. of ourselves. Yeah, what guides to empowerment and self-mastery and self-leadership. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I I also feel like like knowing how our brain works, knowing how our body works, getting getting to know more and more how everything is connected, gives us also the possibility to create this space of choice. Because when we know, oh, I react like that because of that and that. And I re- hear my body, I feel that and that pressure. And, oh, the fear actually m- makes me makes me believing I don't have a choice. And I grew up like, you know, like all also like our environment, how we grew up. Like when we recognize all these things and on a daily basis, what is integration for me as well? Like learning to recognize and notice all these things leads us all also to, to more responsibility and the joys and um, and I think we talked about it a while ago also for me like what is so interesting I would like to bring up it's like you know the, the Shibibos in ceremony the the shamans, healer, maestros, onayas you know onaya is ya ona wisdom, knowing and onaya the one who knows like um what they really often do when they sing the Ikaro and um, they, they, they go to the root of the thought the Shinan Tapon all the time all the time people who drink the first time also when we drink many times um, it often and especially in the beginning very very much but still later on I mean, we are, we are again, we get, uh, we get, uh, sounds a little bit funny, maybe we, um, susio, we get like, kind of a little bit dirty because we connect with our thoughts and we connect with our mind to things and we, we, we um, take in confusion or we take in fear or we take in preoccupation, worries, like all the things when we are, because we are always in interaction, right? Our mind, I see mind like, our whole system here, it's not just thoughts, it's connected to emotions because we know it's connected. We all we are all in we are engaging, you know, with our environment and we get again triggered and all things come up. But they always they work a lot with the root of the thought. And and they often many things, like also many, many things like when they have like a 
when there's a challenge or a problem, they also go into the root of the challenge or the problem. So when we, when we access and we learn more about that and we ask our questions, like we just discussed about it on a psychological base, what is the root of a thought or what is the root of a decision or what is the root of fear? Um, so we talk about that. You know, we are aware about that also in our language and how we inquire about self. And for me, it's always interesting when I see this on an energetically layer, how the, the, the maestros work with the Icaro, like the vibration, the energy, what they channel from the plant world through a Icaro, through a word. The word, what they sing has intention. That's also good to see from which intention does the shaman sing from. Mm -hmm. Pick your shamans really well. Um, so they they have uh, intention, they have a root of their ikawo and the intention where they sing from and then they go into the root of your thoughts and and clean them and clean them and bring them in alignment and until the energy flows, until it's connected to, they also have like the God energy, the light energy, the love and then the different plant energies. Sometimes they have the different elements or the, the universe, different planet energies or stars, sometimes even animals. And they use these energies to clean the root of your thoughts again and again. And, and then they have the big thought, like the anishinan, like the, the big thought, which, where they also bring in, bring, in, bring in alignment your thought, and the root of your thought, with the big thought of the whole world, like maybe consciousness, like that, you know? And I think also this is a choice, you know, like when we really, really reflect on from what is, what is the energetically root of my thoughts and how can I clean them and having a choice from which energy do I think, from which energy do I feel and then creating my action out of that. And what does it mean with being in alignment with my integrity and what do I declare? This is something what I learned from Richard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Declaring, maybe I use other words, but this comes through him in my individual way. <laughs> How, what, what values do I declare as my values? What do I declare as my compass? What do I, what do I declare as my alignment, you know? And connecting that to what I just explained, also what the Shibibus energetically do, for me it's fascinating to bring that in daily awareness and and to to and this and I love my job as well, you know, that like when people are open and they come to dietas and they come um to 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 my groups or you know, or in the center in the temple where we work together. Like really when people are open and curious and you can share that and you can see how, how it resonates and how, how it helps and supports them. And sometimes people book some online sessions with me and continue the work. I love that. Hmm. That's, that's so fascinating to explore also together, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot there. I mean, as you were saying, the, that a lot of the work that the... 
the shamans are doing is, is getting to the root of our thoughts, mm-hmm. which I, I think a lot of people don't really think about. Yeah. And then also the word. I, you know, even like with the Shipibo, they'd often say like that the language they're speaking isn't Shipibo. It's it's this ancient, you know, Shipibo. It's mm-hmm. this ancient language that yeah. was taught to them because those words actually have a certain power. Yeah. And, you know, even this idea, like, again, you said choice, like choosing the words. Mm-hmm. That's such a powerful mm-hmm. thing because that literally shapes our reality. Yes. When I interviewed Brian, he was talking about that, how there was mm-hmm. actually like a value system based in the language of like what is good, what is serving mm-hmm. wholeness, what is serving, mm-hmm. you know, nature that's intrinsically good, mm-hmm. that which is separating or splitting or creating mm-hmm. separate parts, the blame, the judgment yeah. that's inherently in the language system seen yeah. as not not good and you know that's such a powerful thing that that i think we we forget is like our words are choices that we're we're using are we using them for good are we using them for union yes are we using them for separation yes yes and 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 this is extremely powerful and i mean even some of these medicines you know like tobacco coca they're they're seen as as giving strength to the word as as giving sweetness to the word Because without that, we we end up creating that division through our words. So how do we change that? How do we change it to something that's grounded, something that's sweet, something that resonates? Yeah. You know, I mean, which is fascinating. Even that word, like resonate. You know, it yeah. actually means sound. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it has a similar resonance. Yeah. So connecting to that resonance, resonance of, of words that are sweet, that are grounded, that are yeah. supporting nature, that are supporting harmony, union. Mm-hmm which is the essence of all of these spiritual traditions. Yeah. And I think that's what you also mentioned is, you know, I mean, even even in, in, in dietas, when one is doing a diet, that's often something that's really emphasized, mm-hmm. is you have to be very careful with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking negative thoughts, you're, you're, you're hitting the diet, you're mm-hmm. crossing the diet. Mm-hmm. You have to be very careful with your words. Yeah. You know, if you're getting angry at someone or you're, you're, you're judging someone, mm-hmm. That's going to affect you, and it's going yeah. to affect them. Yeah. And um, yeah, you are so open. Everyone is so open during diet. Mm-hmm. You feel you feel the word more from the other or from self. Yeah. The resonance. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I think these are things we you know we often don't think about a yeah. lot. Is is actually the the power of the word, which mm-hmm. which is a power of choice too. You know, what yeah. what am I choosing? to mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. which tone the tone comes again from the from the root from where do I use the energy to talk mm-hmm. yeah yeah and also you know what I think is fascinating with with the, with the tobacco but maybe um, you have to say something to that I like so much that the element of air is also I mean there are all the elements in it but but the air for me, like the smoke, the air, is like really also transporting even more the intention or making, connecting the dimensions or, um, and the air is also in the word, it's in the breath. So I f- find this also very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in many traditions, the air is a huge element of transportation and connection, right? 
kind of truth. I mean, that's that's often one of the qualities of tobacco. Is, I mean, even even like in 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 present day U.S., many of the the Native American people, there was this idea of the pipe or the peace mm-hmm. pipe. And when there was a, a meeting or a gathering, mm-hmm. you know, often to resolve something or to bring up an issue, the pipe was passed around, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone inhaled the smoke. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that 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 in a way once we spoke after that that shared mm-hmm. experience but with tobacco very specifically tobacco that one was able to 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 speak their truth in a way mm-hmm. to to come from a place of of something that was firm and and real and mm-hmm. and and this idea that when when a resolution was made the tobacco was then smoked and it was like the the pact like the handshake mm-hmm. and you know i mean i think that's also something fascinating which I mean, we we don't really do it so much anymore, but there's still traces of it, like, you know, signing something. I mean, we still do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do when you sign something? You're saying, I give my word, I give my name, give my name. you know? And for a long time, that was the only mm-hmm. form of agreement was your signature. That meant everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of strange that we still do it, you know, yeah. in, in this day and age, but it, it, it's because it has that meaning. Mm-hmm. And before signing, it was a handshake. And your word. Or before that, it was just my word, like, yeah. I am going to do this. Yeah. And that meant you were going to do it. Yeah. And if you didn't, you had no respect in your society. Yeah. You, you weren't even a person to some degree because you had mm-hmm. no word. You had no honor. Yeah. And I mean, now I, I think, you know, so many people, are, we're, we're so loose with our words. We're so loose with our commitments. I mean, mm-hmm. I see it so often. You know, people say they're going to do something and then, mm-hmm. oh, well, this came up or this, or I'm not mm-hmm. feeling it or this mm-hmm. other thing. And, mm-hmm. But we, we, in a sense, we give away our power. We do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me that I told you I'm here at 12 and I came here. <laughs> that's with the time, I have, I have to say that's always a tricky thing for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, to the word and integrity and connecting it to presence and change. So this also for me has its place that time also is change and the world and we are individually and everything in nature, the seasons in the year, it's always changing. Always everything is changing. I mean, our skin, our, luckily, you know, our thoughts, our learning, maybe I said something today and I will listen to it in a few days, in a few weeks and I would say, oh, today I would say it a little differently so, yeah, word, integrity, meaning of the word, but also in, in connection to, hey, everything is always changing. Um, where is, you know, where is, where is also the movement and the being present? And, hey, right now in the present moment, I'm different, I feel different. And last week I said that, but now I feel different. For me also... It's, it's a very fine line and it's again and again, it's sometimes, sometimes it's clear for me and sometimes I'm struggling with it. At what moment it's my integrity and it needs its place and honoring that I say, hey, things were changing, I feel different or now my word is a, is a little bit different and in which moments 
it feels true for me. No, I said that and now I have to do it. But it doesn't feel anymore totally in alignment and integrity because things, things just changed. And this is for me sometimes difficult to find. Sometimes it's clear, but sometimes it's also oof, you know. How is that for you? Because also this I want to add, I, I had that a while ago. Maybe I told, I, I shared that with you. I, I declared things as my value and I, 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 it was also together what I, I learned in diets. That's right for me. And that's, this is something I need to do. And I, I have to, to be in alignment with my diets and with the teachings for my diets, with the Shibibo tradition. And I have to be really straight with that. And this was something I started to believe. And it was in that time when I was like in 2016, I started 17, 18, also beginning of 19, I did a lot of dietas. Like my main focus was on dieting. When I had free time, dieting, dieting, dieting. And it was certain things also from my lineage, what they told me, what I need to do, where I have to stick to rules in my diet. I have to stick to that to contain the, the energy of, of this tree. And, and yeah, and, there, and I, I took it on and I, it felt right. It really felt right. But then I had a moment where I was like, I think I, I declared things which are right and as, as guidance and as a compass. And right now I feel it's limiting me as who I am right now. And I want to be more open and I want to be more flexible and I want to do other things again, which are not complete, which are not completely in, 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 in this alignment of these rules my maestros gave me. And I started a little bit to, to dance and play and be more flexible to see, you know, if, if this is true. Because sometimes you declare something to your value, you start to believe it, but then it gets at some point in your life maybe limiting and it, it blocks you to be fully yourself. You know what I mean? And then there's also maybe a limitation and a change necessary or more flexibility or more movement. Well, I think, I mean, that, that that's a big part of Richard's work. So mm -hmm. if anyone is interested, I, I think mm -hmm. a podcast, uh, I think it was two two or three podcasts ago, Richard mm -hmm. Condon. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's one thing he, you know, he says is, is like, obviously there's going to be change, mm -hmm. but that's where our word is also very important yeah. is expressing that. Yes. Like, hey, this thing yeah. has come up. I'm very sorry. Mm -hmm. I've backed out of my commitment. Mm -hmm. How can I, how can I make this up? Mm-hmm. Which is very different from, hey, I can't make it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Things are changing. How can we meet? How can we connect? How can we do that? Yeah. yeah. And also I think, yeah. you know, I think as you were saying, like the more we get to know ourselves, hopefully the more we can know what is in alignment with, mm -hmm. with where we're at, mm -hmm. which is always changing. So... You know, if someone says, hey, there's a party in two weeks, do you want to go? Probably my answer would be, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. But maybe let's talk two days before and, mm -hmm. and I'll see how I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's not something I, I really know at that moment. Mm -hmm. But maybe, you know, like another example, there's a Tema's call in like two weeks mm -hmm. and I'm going to go. Like I gave my word because mm -hmm. that, you know, that has value to me. It really means mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, almost inevitably, like the night before Tema's call, I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be intense. Da, mm-hmm. da, da. But part is I gave my word. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what makes me go mm-hmm. is because I said I was going to do it. Because I know when I gave my word that I was going to do it, that it was it was good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's an anticipation. You know, it's kind of like ceremony too. It, mm-hmm. It's like you know it's going to be good for you, but as it gets closer, you're like there's a lot of reasons why you could back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, all sorts of things will start to mm-hmm. come up. And but then it's a difference too. Like, did I give my word I was going to be there? Mm-hmm. Because that also affects other people too. Like mm-hmm. people. You know, I mean, we're a facilitator. If if one day we said, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't feel like coming today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that has a huge impact. Mm-hmm. So is that impact worth whatever is in the way of me honoring my word, too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I really like what Richard says, too, which is this idea, which which we all do, is... You know, I I I say I'm going to be somewhere at, at 5 p.m. and I show up at 6, and the first thing that's usually out of my mouth is, ah, oh, yeah, there was an accident on the road or something. Yeah. That's why I'm late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, really changing that, which I really like, which he teaches, is this idea of the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, I'm very sorry, I didn't honor my commitment. Mm-hmm. And that has a much different resonance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's putting, the one is putting responsibility on the accident as if that's, that's, you know, the reason I wasn't Mm -hmm. here. And the other is saying I didn't honor my commitment. Mm -hmm. And that has a much different resonance to, to how, you know, because either way I I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. But I think one carries a much, as you said, this idea of resonance or frequency, one carries a much higher resonance or frequency. It's taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't honor my commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you'd like to know, this is the reason, you know, there, there was a really bad accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you had mentioned you had mentioned some of these other uh, interests you have, which you're you're trying to find. I think, as you said, like the balance of of how to mix the plant work with these other processes. Mm-hmm. What about those interests you? And maybe maybe could you like talk a little about those? Like the, the, you mentioned the Gabor Mate work, mm-hmm. the Schweitzer. Was that his? Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Richard Schwartz. Yeah, Schwartz, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it in those that you see is is very complementary, and what for mm-hmm. you kind of like lights mm-hmm. you up and, and makes mm-hmm. you interested in those things? Um, yeah, it's my 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 calling is to to connect, you know, like the ancestral wisdom, or what we learn, universal wisdom, what I see as what the plants are teaching us when we committed to diet, what we learn there, and to connect it to Western modern life with the intention for me that people connect more and more to their true self. True self for me means finding the, where we talked about before, finding empowerment, finding self-mastery, and distinguishing when they act out of this inner deeper source or when they act out of learned personality which are just patterns we learned and very often they separated us to how we really were born and what is really there and wants to be expressed 
so for me the most powerful thing is and what is for me like the the intention why I do what I do like supporting people who are who want to to connect and find their inner strength their inner truth I call it truth for me there's it's the right word even if it triggers for, for people things it's like a subjective inner truth what I feel and what I sense which which feels very very deep and which is mostly somewhere here and where is authenticity finding authenticity finding who you really are finding the empowerment and trust and connection and with the result that you create your life that it feels fulfilled you know when you have a day where you know you will die what everyone from us will have maybe maybe someone has an accident and it happens faster but usually we have i think in what how i imagine we have this moment we have this moment you know where we know oof now we are dying and i what i hear is that that there's this you know sometimes people have this my my life was you know like all in all it's good you know all in all it feels good and i think like when we live connected to our true self or true essence and we use this energy in our creations in life i think it gives us the feeling of in my experience of fulfillment i'm in my full potential and i'm living out of something true inside of me what wants to go out and the plans for me are like amazing but not for everyone some people maybe don't want to drink the plants and then i i'm i'm learning now and i feel very inspired this different approaches how can i connect and support people not how i can connect how can i support people to connect to their true self to find this inner essence and this starts with seeing patterns realizing patterns realizing things which are blocking us emotional patterns or frozen traumas or belief systems okay how can i acknowledge them seeing them and how can i can i make them more transparent or releasing them or putting them a little in the background so i can make space in myself to connect to self and there are these different approaches i learned and for me they are they are all very in alignment you know like um this compassionate inquiry where you find ways with people to to make this patterns more transparent and finding compassion because you go to the root of the pattern and you see where you created it and you see that actually it was something what helped you at some point to survive at some point when we break it down it helped you to survive and it was actually very smart at that time to learn that and when you realize that but it's that that it's now actually not anymore helping you now actually it's limiting and blocking you and when you go back with with compassion inquiry you almost always go back into childhood and when you realize where did it where did it got created this can give a lot of liberation and a lot of freedom with creating a pathway that you can see it in a compassionate way because and then you can hold it with compassion and compassion and love has for me this frequency what i also see with the plants what i learned with the plants 
it has this this when you have the relationship to something in you or outside of you and you can have compassion and love it changes the relationship to it and it changes your feeling it changes the perspective and it helps that this can relax and when it relaxes it feels there's a safety and it can dissolve and it can change and transform and it's not dominating you so what I just said includes things what I learned from the plants and what I learned from, from through, through Compassion Inquiry from Gabor. Because there, for me there is like this psychologically realizing patterns, but then I also, for me, always is like the energetically content in it. And this is, it's, it's the same. Mm. I mean, it's the same. Like when we realize psychological patterns, thoughts, emotions, we also see At, well, we can see at some point it's all energy and the maestros in ceremony they work with the energy but how we experience it and how we experience change and where's our work we can approach it through psych, psych, psychology so it's, it's the same the same coin it's the same but we can approach it from both directions and approaching approaching us as a human with psychology and with with the energetically seeing you can call it spirituality makes it very powerful because that's for me that's it for me <laughs> and also the the thing what i what i'm where i'm very curious um and i started to go into with um ifs in internal family system it's for me very very interesting Because you see, you see certain things inside of yourself as different parts. And you build up, first you acknowledge and you start to see the different parts as a map. And you can see with the time which parts are connected to which parts. And then you build up relationships to them. And you see how do I feel towards different parts. And what does this part has to say? And you let the parts speak. Sometimes you let them speak to each other. So this brings a huge awareness what's going on inside of you. I mean, he says we have multiple personalities, which is triggering for many people. But I'm not 100% in alignment with that. But for me, this doesn't matter. It helps to see like, you know, it's like, a, like systemic family therapy. Like when you, do, when you work with a family, with different people, you see every person has a personality and does something and it's always an interaction with each other and it, it, it creates mm. a dynamic. But when you internalize that and you see like different emotions, different thoughts, different patterns, they all have a function and they are all related to each other. And it gets for me like for internally work so, so powerful to see and connect. It's through meditation as well, through meditation I can connect to these different parts or I can create a space, a safe space with a person and finding them in the body, where do they sit? You know, through the wisdom of the body and sensation, we can address these different parts and we can take a lot of time with one part, talking with this part, asking for the function. How old are you? Where are you coming from? What do you want to say? Sometimes they speak a lot. Sometimes they speak less. And sometimes other parts come in the way and they don't want that you address this part because maybe it gets too painful. Then you can use the other part as a target. And you think this part. And, it, and the more you get aware about this in a map, you also can, 
you can paint, you know, you can draw a part or put it in colors. I mean, I, I put a little bit my own things in it. I, I, I like to learn different things, but then it gets, I can distinguish these different things, but then I can linkage them together. I'm, I'm, I think it's very powerful to distinguish and see the different properties and values, but then finding linkages to bring them together. And that's really fun and very interesting. And, and, and like, also like in ceremony, you know, like sometimes I connected to different emotions or I could see different, different uters, you know, how they acted. So for me, like seeing these different parts and letting them talk to each other and asking, hey, could you step a little bit by side? What would happen? What is your fear if you step by side? And then comes the wisdom out of it. It's interesting. It's not coming from my head. It comes words out where I think, wow. And then I understand certain parts in me better. And they don't dominate me at some point anymore. I realize them. Oh, that's that part which comes up again. And also like the, the thing like painting them or drawing them, giving them color, like having the reflection. Also, often a lot of movement is happening then. <clears throat> and what is the process of, of identifying one of those parts? It's like you go in a you go in a silence. You close your eyes. I'm not talking much when I do that with people, but I, you know, I I, I guide them with breathing a little or grounding, and then I just ask what is what is present, you know. What do you feel? And this is something also from Gabo, what goes in. Like, what, you know, sometimes it's just the present moment. What do you feel? Do you feel somewhere tension? What is happening in your body? Just really present without any intention. And then sometimes things are just in the present moment coming up through the body, through a sensation. Or if this pressure, when you know, someone says, I feel this pressure, okay, can you give it, can you allow it to be there? Sometimes depending, you know, can you, can you let it expand? Is it okay to, to put all your attention in it and being with it? And then at some point, does it have to say something? You know, does it, does, it has, does it want to teach something? Sometimes this is an excess point. And um, sometimes people come with the intention, you know, they, oh, I can't decide if I want that or if I want that. For example, <laughs> I don't want to go there always, but that was, is it, it comes up. Um, um, vaccination. <laughs> it's again this topic, but this is just what was present. There's this part who, who thinks I should do the vaccination, but then there's this other part. Or, or I have, I they don't, didn't start with talking about parts. I, I can't decide. Can you help me with this decision? You know, and then, okay, where? Then I guide them a little bit in a calm space and closing the eyes, da da da. And then, okay, the part who wants to have the vaccination, where does this live in, in your body? Can you access it? And the other part who doesn't want, you know, like really slowly with time, where does this live in your body? And then really making space and then looking, okay, what kind of emotions are there and what is there and what comes up? Is there something in between of these two parts? And then also like really making space for texture and color and and then sometimes, oh, I, 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 I get so, I'm, I have a ner nervousness because some comes from my heart, uh, from my head, and some comes from my heart, and I don't know if I should listen to my head or to my heart. Hmm. And then, did you experience that in your life before? Is it something new? And then maybe it comes, oh, in childhood, 
you know, I was well, I wanted to do that and that, but my, my dad was so rational and I only could feel safe when I was listening to the rational because I only got love and attachment when I was in the rational mindset. There was no space to listen to my heart. You know, then you can discover more and more and and going back in the body and seeing where are the parts, what are they saying? What does this one part, does, does the part which is in your heart and says, no vaccination, does it want to say something to the part in your head? Is there any anything, is there a, can we open a communication? Is that okay for you? And then, you know, then there are things coming up which gives again space to inquire. Hmm. And I don't know how it is for you, but in ceremony, sometimes I have experiences like that, you know? That you feel you're in touch with different parts of yourself. Yeah, or which, which say something, you know, or which, where images are coming up. Images are coming up, or I see myself in childhood, and I can see, oh, this comes from there and there in childhood. Oh, that's why I, I feel that, or that's why I'm having this and this protection, and that's why it's influencing my life in that and that way. Sometimes this is unrevealing in ceremony, by itself, I don't know. But also I experience now since one and a half years, since I'm more going into this other learning and these different approaches that actually in, in online sessions, I can go with people in similar processes. That's very fascinating for me personally, because before for myself, I, I did that all with the plans by myself. And then seeing and realizing, interesting. We can also explore that without plant medicine experience. I mean, I sense that my intuition and how I'm being there, the plants and my diets really shaped me. And there is this energy of the plants in me, that I, how I work with people. But people who come for my sessions, they often don't have plant experience. Recently, there are more people who don't have plant experience. So there are different approaches. You you mentioned before we were before we started recording that um, you know obviously more more people are feeling called to come down and work with these plants and and go to particular maestros or maestras or lineages, and you were you were mentioning a little bit about maybe potentially there could be some downside to that. What, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. what did you, what, did, what were you referring to in that way? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my maestros, he's, he's a very strong maestro. I love him. I'm so grateful for him. And for me, he's a very good maestro and he carries a lot of strength and he's like a rock. And and he, the more I get to know him, I, I see his sweetness. Because for people, sometimes you feel a little bit grumpy. But some of the the people from this lineage I'm working with, they seem a little bit grumpy. And then when you, you know, when they see how you show up and how committed you are, then they get more soft. But sometimes they get again grumpy. But <laughs> but however, I I really love him a lot. But he got he got quite um, famous. And I have to say also social media. You know, people say names. I didn't say. I think I don't. I didn't. I think I didn't say any names and places where my maestros live. 
because with social media, the downside for me is that um, that people just name the maestros. They say where they live. So it goes out so much in the world that so many people just go there. <laughs> And, you know, he, for example, he doesn't have Western people or Shibibo people who are very experienced with organizing or people who know, who do a screening before they give them ayahuasca. You know, they it's a Shibibo village and my maestros has some sons who have WhatsApp or Facebook and sometimes they get a message, can I come? And they always say yes because there's also there, we want money, especially from the sons, from my maestro. I don't feel that. He... I worked first with two women from the same lineage and then with him. And he, I came the first time and he offered me a special prize. <laughs> Never experienced that before from Shibibos. Usually, I, you know, they, they learn to get money and they learn, oh, when I have money, I can buy all the things. And they give it all to the family as well. I mean, all of the maestros I know, they give a lot to the family. But then it has the effect that the other family members don't work anymore because they have the person who gives them the money one downside but the other downside what I also wanted to mention with social media that just random people come and I mean of course people want to have feeling people want to learn but people are just coming there they don't speak Spanish they have often often really no idea what does it mean to diet a plant for a longer time what does it mean um to go that deep and um, maybe they have some really difficult things happen to them in life. Maybe they have a lot of pain to release. Maybe they have a lot of trauma time. They never touched on that before. And my maestro and his family, they built now, they had built like now a lot of tambos, more and more tambos and rooms. Um, they have a huge maloka, but they don't have someone who is, who is doing screening um, and I mean, I had times where I offered it, but it's, you know, they have like a very different mindset, what is organization and structure. And when I say to one of the sons, hey, before someone comes, pass him on to me and I do a screening, you know, they, I have, I have questionnaires for my true journey retreats. So I'm happy to do the screening for you. And, you know, I'm dieting with my maestro and my maestro is happy, you know, to give me some exchange in diet for my work or whatever, But it, it doesn't work, you know. The the son is not sending the people to me. It's just too difficult for him to organize. Also, the internet, now it's better there, but the internet before was not really good. Then it's just not in their mindset how really to structure and organize. Um, and then also to say to people, you have first to go to a screening and then Uta sends you back to us, that it's just too much. So it didn't work, you know. And also I have a friend, she lived a long time there. But also this didn't give it more structure or safety or screening. So sometimes what just happens is that many people are coming there. And um, my maestro has to work not every second night as usual. Sometimes he works then every night because there are so many people. He has to split in different ceremonies. And he's older, you know. And I believe that's not healthy, um, 
And and often what I often could see in, in many Shibibo maestros or older people, it's hard for them to say no. I'm not really clear why they don't say no. And what happened is that there were a, there were a few things not good happening. You know, people got psychoses, or people attempted or did suicide at some point. And that's just, you know, it's so important that we have a Western linkage as a facilitator, someone who does screenings before, checking in. Is it okay for you? Is it good for you with the plans? What are your intentions? What are you doing? What do you want to do? What what is there some deep stuff what could come up? What is difficult? Um, what are your biggest challenges in life is a question what I like to ask because usually the biggest challenges reflect in some way in ceremony. Like all these questions before in preparation, you know? Like I like before, I have always before talks with people, sometimes less, sometimes a little more, to really touch and dig into uncomfortable feelings and areas. And sometimes it's difficult for people, but I say, hey, if you come in ceremony, you know, it can go there. So let's get true, you know, let's get authentic. Let's get clear. You know, I ask you some questions. You always can tell me when it's not comfortable, but because the plants, they, they show you truth in their own way. So I like to touch on that before, you know, to, to see it. Are you, are you willing to face that, you know? And this is not happening there. So the downside is very often that, um, that people not prepared go directly into the Shibibo villages where the maestros, maestras are, and there's not a container and not a support system for the language and for their processes and for guidance and explanations and explaining them that it's not just one week or one month here, there's a life after where everything, what happens here has an effect also after. There's the integration and it will be with you your whole life. And are you really sure you want to commit to face this stuff because it will be with you after? And that's the downside. So what would you what would you recommend for someone who does want to come down and, and do work? I would recommend to to look for for retreats where you have a facilitator. I mean I offer groups, dietas. I have in July and in November I offer something, I offer private groups. I know other people who are reliable, you know, as as Brian, who works also with, with one of my maestras. I would really recommend to to prepare, to do a preparation, to get clear why do you want to do that and to to go to someone who has training, who can provide facilitation, who can provide some guidance, who is there with you to translate. Not only the language also helps you to translate the experiences, the tradition, what does it mean, um, and not just going by self, especially when... You when it's new for you, and new I mean if, I mean I work with the Shibibo tradition when the Shibibo tradition is new. If you did other plant medicine by yourself or in different ways or in ceremonies where where like music and concert and guitar playing, singing, whatever, this is different. This is just different. Um, if you, I can only talk about Shibibo tradition, but I know there are others. If you go to the Shibibo tradition, it's surgery. It goes deep. 
It's energetically deep, deep, deep stuff. It's not I go somewhere and I, I listen to a concert <laughs> or I listen to some music and, you know, that's, that's a different experience. It's just a different experience than going somewhere and um, getting really, really in deep, real stuff, which includes shadow and darkness and light because it belongs together. It's both real. Mm-hmm. Well, Uta, we are coming up on three hours. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to touch? Any topics or anything? No, I think we we talked we talked we talked about it through different things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what uh, do you have any sense of what the future holds for you? And if people are interested in in, in reaching out to you or, mm. or working with you, learning. People can always reach out. I'm I'm yeah I'm a, I'm most of the time available. I mean I what I offer is like like uh, two weeks or one month diets with one of my maestros. They are scheduled. Maximum eight people, at least three, four people, maximum eight. Or what I offer is private groups, but I need to know in advance to plan it accordingly with my maestros and with the place I rent. And I offer online sessions where we go into what I where we talked about. You know, I call it psychospiritual inquiry or compassionate healing journeys. It's always difficult for me to put it in the right, you know, use the right words. But I love to work with people online with plant medicine together or without plant medicine. Yeah. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, you know, I, I know the family you work with and I, I think they're really amazing. They, they have mm. a, a really strong lineage. And mm. I think, as you said, it, I think for most people it is wise to, to, to go to something that's organized, that has structure, mm. that's that works with the facilitator, mm. you know, the, 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 the family you're working with super strong, I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, has a lot of integrity. So mm-hmm. I, I think people, if they, if they want to, they would be in really good hands with you. And I, mm-hmm. I know you personally, we work together. It's, mm-hmm. it's always a pleasure. And I, I think you do really amazing work. And, Thank um, you. if, if people do want to do that, uh, truejourneys.net also true-journey.net yeah and what I also want to say like in in the in the dieta space which I hold I encourage people to be in silence or to do their fasting I mean there are different ways to fast and it's up to everyone by itself there's also food provided but also there, um, if people really want to go deep, I, I encourage like isolation and I bring them their food. Um, also, I'm open, you know, always. Sometimes there are people, they like to have some sharings, but it's, it's, it's like um, more in the traditional way, you know. It's not that I have like all kind of programs like in a retreat. It's like the plant and you and, and then we go in an organic flow. And of course, sometimes sharing can be very powerful. We have a sharing, of course, in the beginning and in the end. But during diet, also when we talked about the word, I just want to mention that very often to get more clarity about the energy and the breath and the word is to be in silence, Mm -hmm. especially when you're in a diet and you recognize and learn so much more about the word and talking and energy. And I mean, diets and in the end, it's like learning about energies. And they call the the main tree where I work with, they call it like the university of learning about energies. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is how my maestros say, others would maybe call other trees like the university of shamanism or university of learning about energies. But yeah. Um, So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, great. Well, thank you so much for mm-hmm. doing this. It was a pleasure, and I, yeah. I really love working with you. I have a lot of respect for you. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward looking forward to whenever, wherever. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm still in contact with the Temple of the Way of Light. I mm-hmm. I really I I honor honor this center so much, and also Matthew. I had a wonderful talk with him like a week ago, and um, to the same time exploring other options. Maybe I I will. I will also work with a center in Costa Rica, but I will stay in touch for sure with the temple. And I, I, I would love to work there with you again or yeah. however life unfolds. Working with you always was a pleasure. And I learned so much from you and with you, Jason. Yeah, well, thank you. Likewise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Uta. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you too. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Uta. I really enjoyed speaking with her. Um, as always, if you're able to help to support this show, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really good option. For just a few dollars a month, you can subscribe to different tiers and they give you different benefits, things like early access to shows, Q&As, bonus material, extended footage. So that's a really big help. To all the people who have done that, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And if you are able to do that, thank you very much. I would deeply appreciate that. Uh, There's also the ability to donate via PayPal, also a link in the show notes. Um, And then if you're not able to do that, simply going on the Universe Within podcast homepage on the YouTube channel and subscribing to the show, um, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, that's a really big help. And then with the audio version, going on Apple Podcasts, subscribing to the show and leaving a short review and a starred rating. That's a really big help. So that's it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm, again, still not sure. Uh, I just got back to Peru, so I'm trying to figure out the order of of the guests. Uh, But I have some really good guests coming up. And I hope you all enjoyed this episode and that you will stay tuned for the next ones as well. So thank you very much, everyone. I appreciate it. And I will see you on the next episode.